Cherry Hill Volvo, we have absolutely incredible offers and a plethora of both new and certified Volvos from which to choose. We are eager to offer amazingly competitive prices, plus an additional $1,000 Costco discount on all new Cherry Hill Volvos. When leasing or purchasing a new or certified Cherry Hill Volvo, you become a valued part of our team. Join Cherry Hill Volvo for the pricing and attention you deserve. I am Judith Krepnick, president of Cherry Hill Volvo. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. WPHT, WPHT, HD, WOGL, HD3, Philadelphia. From the Cherry Hill Volvo Studios, where relationships matter. Always live on the free Odyssey app. The revolution will be broadcast. This is the next generation of talk. Now on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT, Rich Zioli. Oh no, oh no, the storm is coming. Well, we got six inches of snow on the way, that storm. But the storm of South Carolina is coming for Nikki Haley. Yeah, it turns out Nikki Haley is going to be heading right into Trump country. You know, the state that she used to be governor of. It may not end well for her in her own home state. Welcome to the show. Glad you're here today. 855-839-1210 on Twitter at Rich Zioli. Yeah, tomorrow we're supposed to get... Up to, I don't know, six inches of snow or so, they're saying, for our region. We will uh, we'll check. We'll follow that for updates. The French toast industrial complex having us all scared. Uh, but for Nikki Haley, the, uh, the storm that's brewing in her home state of South Carolina, not, not good. She's heading right into Trump country after New Hampshire. Nikki Haley has a South Carolina problem. Her home state is Trump country. Former president has a big advantage thanks to his popularity in the state. This is from the Wall Street Journal, which has actually been very favorable to Nikki Haley. But they point out that Nikki Haley's long shot strategy to win the Republican presidential nomination is to pull off an upset in New Hampshire next week over Donald Trump, then beat him again in her home state of South Carolina a month later. But she has a problem. South Carolina is Trump country. Haley, who turns 52 years old on Saturday, grew up in the small city of Bamberg, South Carolina, went to Clemson University, spent most of her political career in the Palmetto State, serving as its popular governor, they write, from 2011 to 2017. Despite Haley's deep personal ties and political legacy, Trump has been considered the frontrunner in South Carolina for months, and Haley lags behind him by about 30 points. In her home state of South Carolina. Now, those polls were taken before the GOP field narrowed following the Iowa caucus. Surveys show Trump with about 50% or more support of those polled, while Haley attracts about 20%. DeSantis has polled in the low teens or lower. So he's doing slightly better than he's doing in South Carolina. Um, according to the internet, and, and uh, you never know how accurate this is, but According to the internet, he's uh, laid off a lot of people on his campaign team, which is not surprising. 
but maybe he'll do the smart thing and, and he'll endorse Trump prior to New Hampshire versus going down as the guy who got slaughtered in New Hampshire. And then and then goes on to what? I lose South Carolina, come in third in South Carolina as well, because you're not going to you're not going to beat Nikki Haley in South Carolina. You're going to come in third place again. So I don't know. DeSantis says no road here. The only road is out. Get out and endorse Trump and don't even bother in New Hampshire. Seriously, don't. Don't even bother because it's just going to be a disaster. I mean, it's looking really bad. South Carolina likes Nikki Haley, but South Carolina loves Donald Trump, said Republican Representative Nancy Mace, who hasn't endorsed the candidate. And she was highly critical of Trump in the past, but she has since said she would consider backing the former president in the primary. Trump is looking to quickly lock up the nomination after his win in Iowa. Well, he has locked up the nomination. He just doesn't have the delegates yet, but it's all locked up. I mean, you know. Now, they're still hoping and praying that they can get him out of the race somehow, either by the 14th Amendment or he'll be in prison. Maybe they'll sentence him to death, carry out the execution prior to his inauguration. I don't, I don't know. But they're still hoping for something, something they can do. And uh, this is the problem for the other candidates right now. He's looking to quickly lock up the nomination after his win in Iowa when DeSantis came in a distant second, followed by Haley in third. Haley would need to win or come very close in New Hampshire, which is Tuesday. I mean, think about that. We're only it's today's Thursday. That's Tuesday. It's only a few days away. And then she has to score a convincing win on, on her home turf in South Carolina, February 24th. So she's got time, but in that time period, you got to think about this now. If you're the former governor of the state, I think you're you're kind of capped out here. You know what I'm saying? Like you're not an unknown quantity. They know you, and if you're at whatever it is, twenty percent, thirty percent, whatever, you're not going to go much higher than that. They already know you. You know, it's like getting together with an ex. I mean, you're you know what to expect, right? I mean, it's not much going to be different this time around. It's sort of the same. She's going back to the state she was governor of and opinions are formed and it's still Trump country. And it's not like she's going to get there and start campaigning in South Carolina. People are going to be like, oh, who's this Nikki Haley? Oh, she's fresh. I haven't heard this before. This is this is this is a new conservative leader. No, she was your governor for eight years. So either you you like her or you don't. And either you like her enough to, you know, support Trump more than her or, or you don't. I mean, it's not, it's not it's not that hard, right? It's not that complicated to figure this out. And I think I think for her, the big problem, too, is that the expectations for New Hampshire right now, because the media wants her to win, she's the darling of the corporate media, are so high that unless she comes really, really close to second place, you know, if she if she can't come super duper, really double secret probation close to Trump in New Hampshire, that's going to hurt her even more in South Carolina. There's no pathway for any of these people at this point. The only pathway for Nikki Haley, as I've told you before, is that they keep her in the race, try to get her to the convention. They hope something changes. Some externality happens with Trump, in which case then uh, they are forced to turn to somebody else. That's what they're hoping for. But it's interesting, though, how I tell you how the, uh, the media loves to pick their, their establishment favorites and they love their reasonable Republicans until they don't. Now, the corporate media and the no labels crowd and all these other people, they love the reasonable Republicans until they get the nomination. And I, but you can't see this because it's radio, but I'm using air quotes for reasonable. Unlike Fox News today when I was on it, which was television. 
But this is radio, so you can't see, but I'm doing air quotes around reasonable. So you think about John McCain. He was the reasonable Republican. They liked him in 2000 against George Bush. You think about uh, Mitt Romney, the reasonable Republican. Then they get the nomination and they're Satan. They're the walking incarnation of they get compared to Hitler. They the same. It's the same playbook all the time. It, it doesn't change in the general election. And I think part of the reason why they do that is because they know that vanilla. Vanilla Republican candidates just don't win, because if you're too much like French vanilla, I should say French vanilla Republican candidates and people are going to pick vanilla because. Why, why go French vanilla when you can just go vanilla vanilla? So in, in other words, if, if, your, if your appeal here is to try to win over people because of your so-called moderate perspectives, but then they, the Democrat offers much of the same, that's why, they don't, that's why the conservative is never the darling of the mainstream media, the corporate media, or the no-labels crowd. It's for that reason, really, honestly, truly. Now, a Haley spokeswoman said that Haley won the governor's mansion as the the Tea Party anti-establishment candidate, and then she built a conservative record as a state's chief executive. And now this will come back and bite her in the general election. This is what they will all use against her. She said Haley signed restrictive abortion legislation and cracked down on illegal immigration as governor. So everything that they're saying now to try to help her win the primary in her own state of South Carolina, which she's not going to do, that's all the stuff the corporate media is going to throw at her in November if she were to become the, 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 the candidate. October, September, October, you know. If she were to become the nominee, that's the kind of stuff that the corporate media would throw at her. And be like, listen, she's no moderate. She's evil. That's what I mean. You can't buy this whole argument that some people are spewing on television, which is that she's, a, she's the only electable choice for the Republicans. This, the very same things that she's now trying to, to use as her talking points for why conservatives should back her in the primary are exactly what the attack ads are going to be in the general. You don't think so? Come on, you know so. That's what they do. That's how, that's how this works. Uh, Haley, run by, Haley won by roughly 4.5 percentage points for her first race for governor in 2010 and 14.5 percentage points for her re-election in 2014. Representative Ralph Norman, one of the most prominent Republican elected officials in South Carolina to endorse Haley, said he expected her to campaign hard in her home state and ultimately do well. He said the race now is between Haley and Trump. And he says Nikki has always come through. But Trump, who carried South Carolina in the last competitive Republican primary in 2016, has far more top endorsements in the state, including the governor, Henry McMaster, a Republican, very popular Republican. It was great during COVID, by the way. I know that from Mama Zioli because Mama Zioli and Papa Zioli were down in South Carolina for most of COVID. And uh, they were very pleased with how Henry McMaster, McMaster handled things in the state because he kept the state open. He opened it much sooner than other governors did, and then he kept it open. I think it's a Trump state, said Senator Lindsey Graham, who has endorsed Trump. The state's other senator, Tim Scott, who was briefly a Republican candidate for president, hasn't endorsed a candidate, but he's been lobbied by all the remaining candidates, according to a person familiar with the matter. I think that if uh, Tim Scott is a smart man, which I know he is, and if he is on the VP shortlist, which we've all heard that possibility, and no one knows for sure, no one, but it would be wise of him to endorse Trump prior to South Carolina. Because to endorse Trump after he wins South Carolina, is uh, it's a moot point at that point. So for Tim Scott as a smart guy, he should do it now. 
I mean, look, anybody who wants to potentially be on the ticket or anybody who wants to be in the cabinet or anybody who wants to be close to the candidate as this race unfolds, now's your chance. If you do it after he's already been essentially now coronated, at that point, it's like, oh, gee, thanks. Thank you so much. I really appreciate your endorsement. It's, it's helped so much. It really has. 75% of Republicans are satisfied with Trump as the nominee. 75%. It's a lot. It's enough. It's more than enough. The other 25% will prefer somebody else, but they'll come back. Most of them will anyway. Some allies have urged DeSantis to drop out because he's expected to do poorly in New Hampshire and South Carolina. But so far, he has resisted those calls. The primary in his home state of Florida isn't until March 19th. And Trump has a big lead in Florida as well. Now, DeSantis is winning the DeSantis vote within his own house. He is leading that race. But beyond that, he's losing in every other state. He's trailing Trump in every other state, even in California. I mean, everywhere. So what do you do? What are you doing, man? Where's your pathway here? So let's look at, let's think about this now. Let's break down some numbers real quick as we look at the real clear politics average of polling. And again, I tell you all the time, polls are BS in general elections. And the reason why is because most people will lie to pollsters, but Republicans don't. And not, in, not when it comes to the primary. They're very proud of their, of their candidate choices. They are uh, very proud of who they're backing. That's why you see people wear, wearing MAGA hats and that sort of thing. Republican primary voters are different than general election voters. So the people that are going to come out in the New Hampshire Republican presidential primary are a different breed than necessarily the people that are going to come out in the New Hampshire general election. So it's different. So when a pollster calls up and says, hey, wondering who you're backing in New Hampshire. Oh, I'm backing Trump. In fact, they're excited to tell the pollster that. Versus the candidate versus the person in the general election who's voting Trump but doesn't want anyone to know. In which case, then they lie to the pollster and they go, yeah, I'm backing Biden because you have my address and my phone number. And then all of a sudden there's an upset and you go, oh, the polls were wrong. Well, that's the reason why people don't lie in primaries and they don't lie when they're asked specifically about issues. That's why when you see a poll that's a general election poll and they uh, it, it shows Biden winning. But then when you ask when the voters are asked all the questions, it's very obvious who they're really voting for. And it's like, do you think, are you happy with immigration? No. Are you happy with the economy? No. Are you happy with the Middle East? No. Are you happy with the Ukraine war? No. Are you happy with anything? No. Were you better off four years ago? Yes. But you're voting Biden? Um, yeah. You go, I'm calling BS on that. I think I'm calling BS. So the latest poll, which has come out uh, today, the 2024 New Hampshire Republican presidential primary vote, this one by St. Ansem. Ansem? Has uh, Trump up 14. The bad news, though, for DeSantis is he's still only at 6%. The Boston Globe Suffolk poll has uh, Trump up 14 as well. DeSantis is at 6. So he's not even, even with, even with Christie out of the race, even with um, Vivek Ramaswamy out, he, DeSantis is still not climbing over 10%. It's not, that's not looking good. Not looking good. At all. I mean, not even close. And in the Republican primary, another poll came out today by Emerson. Trump's up 52. And DeSantis is in third place there as well. So where do you expect to win besides your living room? I mean, honestly, I, really, besides, you know, your wife and kids. I mean, where where do you expect to win? And at some point, if you can't if you can't actually turn around and go, well, I, I, there is a pathway and here's the pathway how we get here. We, we, we go through this state. We maneuver this with this chessboard and that part of if you don't have it, you just 
it's not going to be there. So, look, I, 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 I'm telling you right now, you know, at some point, Ron DeSantis has to realize that his only shot here is to help Trump win New Hampshire. Because Trump's going to win New Hampshire and and he doesn't have to give DeSantis credit for any of it. None of it. But if he drops out now and he backs Trump and Trump beats Nikki Haley decisively, then the race is over and DeSantis can help take credit for that. Really, because at that point, then he goes to South Carolina. He's already he's already Trump's already beating Haley big time in her own state. If he wins New Hampshire commandingly, convincingly, it's only going to help him if. If DeSantis stays in and if he pulls even five, six percent away from Trump, because presumably those voters are going to be Trump voters, if they're if they if if they're not going to be Trump voters at this point, they would have already left him, I think, and gone to Nikki Haley at this point. So I think they go to Trump if it's close in New Hampshire and he stays in and comes in a distant third and throws his support to Trump that night. He'll be remembered as a guy who came in third, got slaughtered in New Hampshire and then made it a competitive race going into Nikki Haley's home state. A more competitive race. Made it into a more competitive race because then she'll have the headwinds of going in there and saying, hey, look, I came in second. I came in at a close second. I don't think she wins, but she may come close because of the fact that New Hampshire is an open primary because these random Democrats are just randomly voting for random people. By the way, Doug Burgum is on Fox News right now. The VP speculation swirling. It won't be Doug Burgum, but nevertheless, there was a story that Doug Burgum is going to play a big role in Trump's world. He'll probably be a cabinet secretary of some sort. That's what I mean. I mean, Trump's a, Trump's a loyal guy. Burgum was smart to endorse him the, uh, prior to Iowa. I don't think Burgum really brought much to the table, and I think Trump was going to win in Iowa, but it's more about the point. Timing in politics is everything. You know, it's everything. For Vivek Ramaswamy to realize the night of the Iowa caucus, I'm backing Trump. It's good timing. At this point, Ron DeSantis, the timing issue is what is the only question for him. And if he keeps waiting and he's tweeting, you know, I've been, uh, people have counted me out before. Don't count me out. Blah, 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 blah. If, if he keeps saying, I, look, you can say all these things. And, and, and maybe in a different world that, that would, oh, that would be fine. But. These polls are not wrong because Trump voters are proud to tell pollsters that they're backing Trump. They're not hiding from that fact. They're very, very happy to tell pollsters that these polls, if anything, are probably undercounting Trump's support. Just by virtue of the fact that you can't reach all these different voters. I mean, you're, you're talking about a sample. Polling is based on a statistical sample. And when you look at trends like that, such a massive lead. The only conclusion you can reach from looking at a primary is that it's probably not capturing the full scope of the support, actually. It's probably even bigger than that. See, I think Trump wins New Hampshire decisively, but Nikki Haley comes in second. But I don't think it's going to be close. But how close it is will depend upon Ron DeSantis in a big way. And he can frame the narrative to the Trump people, listen. I'm the reason why it wasn't close. I'm the reason why he was able to put her down in New Hampshire and then go to South Carolina and gain more headwinds and not allow her to gain headwinds, not allow Nikki to go to South Carolina and gain headwinds. That's the message that he has. And if he can give that message, and if the Trump people can recognize the role that he's playing here, then he's got a shot at a future. 
And look, I, you know, somebody made the comment yesterday about, well, Rich, you're undercounting Trump's vice presidential pick. That person may be the front runner in 2028. Yeah, maybe or maybe not, because Mike Pence certainly wasn't. A billion things can happen between now and then. All you can do, the only thing you can do, the only thing that's in your power is to control what is in your immediate future. What, that's it. That's all you can do. And if you're Ron DeSantis, the only thing you can do at this point is to think about how you can save yourself for 2028. Now, a billion things can happen between now and then. We could all die from a new COVID disease that they're testing out in mice or whatever the hell that story was yesterday. We could all be in prison. We could all, I mean, who knows? You get hit by a bus. It, we don't know. But you make your predictions based on the information you have at the time in front of you. So for Ron DeSantis, it's not, he shouldn't sit back and go, you know what? I'm going to stay in this race as long because it doesn't matter because whoever Trump's VP is, that person will be the Republican frontrunner in 2028 regardless. Well, that's a stupid thing to, to think because Trump's VP might two years into it become a total disaster, may, may, may not want to run, may, may decide the job's not for him or her. Who knows? So make your, make your decisions based on the information you have at hand at, at this moment, not what you think may be in the future four years from now. You got to think about what you can do in this moment that will help you in four years, assuming that factors are favorable to you and they may not be. Who knows? All I know is that if this continues for him, he'll go into 2028 being the guy who got slaughtered in New Hampshire and help Nikki Haley um, gain headwinds going to South Carolina. He may help, help, help. He may elevate Nikki Haley as the front runner in 2028 if he's not careful. So he's got to real, really make a decision here. 855-839-1210. That is the big story of the day today. Brought to you by our buddy, Dr. Mike Venaria. Just go to VenariaDental.com. V-A-N-A-R-I-A. VenariaDental.com. He's my dentist. He's my friend. Friend. He is the master of dental implants, Dr. Mike Venaria, VenariaDental.com. We got a lot on the WEF. Oh, yes, the evil Bond villains at the WEF have more plans to control every aspect of your future. I'll tell you all about it. Don't go away. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. The Zioli Show on your schedule from Talk Radio 1210 WPHT in the free Odyssey app. A little while ago, you were told that the uh, story about a Chinese biolab in California was a conspiracy theory. Well, the CDC is actually right now decontaminating that lab as we speak. Um, but that's what happened. You know, at the time that the story came out, they said, oh, there's this there's this Chinese biolab in California. People were like, Psh. 
Another, another wacky conspiracy theory, huh? Another wacky one. Well, it's not wacky. It's true. And that's what's happening as we speak. This guy who owned this lab, too, and all the kind of stuff they're finding in it, like uh, all kinds of diseases and everything else. Really, really bad stuff. Like Ebola is there and all kinds of things. But it's in California. And the only reason why it was discovered was because of a code enforcement officer who happened to just go in there and um, checked it out. You know, just saw it and kind of looked around. And her name is uh, Jessalyn Harper. She she discovered this. It's a remarkable story. It really is. She's like like a hose was sticking out or something like this. And a local official and then was the, the discovery of a of a secret china run lab in california where they have really dangerous stuff there yeah and you you, you turn around and you go i don't i don't understand how how is this how does this ha- like how does this happen you know in the united states of america well it happens because there are um bad people out there who do bad things and these bad people will never cease to try to take advantage of things and there are bad people that will buy bad things like viruses and things like that in the world market. In fact, you should read uh, the new book, The Year of the Locust by Terry Hayes, which, reminder to you, our event together is February 7th. Get your tickets now by going to 1210WPHU.com. It's a speaker night with me and number one global bestselling author Terry Hayes at Rosemont College, February 7th at 7 p.m. Just go to 1210WPHU.com. Get your tickets today. Oh, and by the way, at the WEF, the World Economic Forum, they're begging you, begging you, please trust the science. Trust the science. You know, you've been burned before by the people who told you to trust the science, but you're supposed to ignore all that and trust the science anyway. All right. Trust the science anyway. The World Economic Forum's annual meeting is underway in Davos, Switzerland. Robbie Suave at Reason pointing out last year, disinformation stole the spotlight and was featured as a key problem for global elites to address. This year, the WEF has upped the ante, releasing a report that lists misinformation and disinformation as the number one short term risk facing the world, beating out interstate armed conflict, climate change and lack of economic opportunity. One of the first events at this year's meeting of the WEF was a panel discussion entitled Liberating Science. Oh, that sounds fun. Liberating Science, which largely focused on disinformation as it relates to the climate change agenda. Now, a few short clips from the session went viral on social media. We'll play some of those for you. I played you one yesterday from Naomi Oreskes. She's a historian of science at Harvard University. Uh, Luciana Vaccaro, a Swiss scientist who objected to the increased toxicity of Twitter ever since Elon Musk got there. Vaccaro said that a fundamental issue with uh, X, that is the site formerly known as Twitter, was the policy of the owner, which is problematic because, oh, he allows free of expression, freedom of expression on the platform. Now, short video clips, of course, can be misleading. So Robbie Suave took the time to watch all of the WEF discussion. He watched all of it. Now, that guy has more time on his hands than I do. Free time on his hands. Because I don't have that kind of time. I have three kids. One of whom is sick right now. Reagan's sick again. Now she's at that age now where you, know, you start to go into preschool and you just you get everything and 
you hang around other little kids who have everything and they get everything and it's just the nature of the beast. It's normal. This is how kids build up their immune system. It's healthy. It's good for you. It's good for the kids to build up their immune system. But between that and my Fox News interviews, which I don't know if I mentioned I was on Fox News this morning. (laughs) That's twice today. And you can count how many times throughout the show that I mention it, but that's two mentions. Henry asked me before the show if I would mention it. So I have now mentioned it twice. Two drinks if you're playing the Zioli drinking game. Oh, your liver's going to thank me. Oh, tomorrow's going to be a snow day, so we can drink uh, during the show. What? Oh, is that? I don't see the correlation. The snow day exception to the sobriety rule under the FCC. <laughs> no, so I was on Fox News. Three. Drink. America's Newsroom uh, with my buddy Dana Perino, and I, I texted her to say thank you, and she wrote back and said, you're a crowd favorite. Well, thank you, Dana. Very kind of you. I appreciate you saying that. And you know, the plastic surgery that I've had is really paying off. But I did notice I've got some <laughs> frown lines I got to deal with. Maybe I'll get some Botox. <laughs> Just for frown lines? Yeah. I, maybe I need more makeup. I don't know. I mean, one of the shots, it looked like I was frowning. I wasn't frowning, but I have, I have wrinkles by my mouth. You know what I mean? <laughs> Can you cancel those out with just like a half smirk? I don't know. I got I to gotta talk to my dermatologist about this, Dr. Dr. Green, if he's listening. Maybe he can give me a little shot of the Botox, a little botulism toxin. It's not just for ethnic cleansing, you know. <laughs> it's also for getting out wrinkles. <laughs> that was one of the funniest Saturday Night Live skits ever, and you can't find it anymore. They, um, they used to do those commercial parodies. And I can't find it anywhere. It's canceled. But what they had it? A, what's that? What is it? Well, I'm, I'm explaining it. So it's okay. a, it was a parody commercial that they did about Botox. And you see the, the Botox, which is a very popular thing that women use for, and some men, like Justin Trudeau or Gavin Newsom. It, get rid of, it gets rid of wrinkles. You, you've heard of it, right? Botox, Henry? Yes, I'm familiar with All it. All right. So the, 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 the name of Botox, Botox is a short name. You know how drugs come up with cool names all the time? You like, see, if I, if I was Big Pharma and I came up with an antidepressant, I would just call it Happy. That'd be the name of my drug. Happy, you know, but it's, it's like they come up with all these weird names for drugs. Anyway, Botox is short for botulism toxin, which is a, just a very, very bad thing. So Saturday Night Live had this whole thing about Botox and they said botulism toxin. It's not just for ethnic cleansing anymore. I thought that was hysterical, but you can't find that skit anywhere. Like I, I go on YouTube. I try to find it there. I can't find it there. It's like it's gone. You know what I mean? Is it with Alec Baldwin? Potentially. I might have it. You might you seriously you found it? Yeah, uh, maybe. Right, I, well, I'm, pre- I'm looking well, at it pre- right now. Preview it for us, if you would. But I, I have I have friends who are all organic. It's funny. I have a couple of friends of mine, and they're super organic. You know, they, they everything's natural. Like they won't they won't take their kids to McDonald's or anything like that. But they'll get Botox shots. <laughs> I just I find that to be charming. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, you, so you won't, you won't eat a, a, a like a like chicken McNuggets, but you'll take a a uh, a, a like a bioweapon. You'll you'll inject a bioweapon near your eyes, close to your brain. <laughs> but but eating a fillet of fish is that's where you you know that's where you draw the line there. Not that not that anybody should ever eat a fillet of fish. Oh, I like the fillet of fish. Of course you do. 
I mean, I'm not getting it every single time I go to McDonald's, but I think it's respectable. Do you? Yeah. yeah it's not bad. I haven't had one of those in a long time. It's a uh, it's a go-to during Lent. Oh, is it really? Yeah. I think that's why it was actually invented in the first place, mm. is was, uh, just so that they could um, provide something to, to people who weren't allowed to eat meat on Fridays. So Botox injections are shots that use a toxin to prevent a muscle from moving for a limited time. So they smooth out wrinkles. Now, I've heard you're not supposed to get it by your mouth, but I may just do it for my frown lines. You know what I mean? Oh, I got to give my, my um, the woman who cuts my hair, Jackie, she's great. I got to give her a shout out because I said to her yesterday, I got my hair cut yesterday. I said to her, you know, Jackie, you're good luck. Every time I get my hair cut, I wind up getting called on Fox News. And the last time I got my hair cut, which was in December before Christmas, I had two Fox News hits over the Christmas break, including New Year's Day when I was still drunk. And so I said to her yesterday when I was in the chair, I said, you're my good luck charm. I bet you, and I know her husband listens to the show. I bet you I get called on Fox News very soon. Sure enough, hours later, boom, I'm called up to appear on Fox News, which I did this morning. I don't know if I've mentioned that or not. Four. That's four times. <laughs> Honestly, this whole segment has basically been about your appearance on Fox News. So it, it, the, the four count is actually, uh, it's me being generous. It, it could be higher. Ana botulinum toxin A. That's the name of Botox. Ana, that's like the, Ana botulinum toxin A. That sounds good. Sounds good. Like, oh, I won't let my children eat at McDonald's. There's all the chemicals they put in there. And please, don't even think about giving them Skittles. What time is my Botox shot tomorrow? Your, your what? Yes, my Botox shot. I gotta get my, my shot of my Omnibotulin Toxin A. Put down those french fries, kids. They're bad for you. Did you find the commercial? Uh, no, not that. Yeah, that you, you're not, you're not going to find it. It was a different it's an Botox. Is, it, it is a hysterical joke. Bot- botulism toxin. It's not just for ethnic cleansing anymore. I mean, that is a funny joke. It's a sick joke, but who cares? It's a funny joke. But, you know, you can't make jokes anymore today. Like, you know, I started my segment today on Fox News. <laughs> That's five. The uh, conversation was about homelessness in Philadelphia. And so Dana Perino, my friend Jennifer Stefano, who was also on the panel, and they were talking about homelessness. And so I began by saying, I really wish you would refer to them as uh, what the politically correct term is, which is the unhoused. Stop being so politically incorrect here. It's not homeless anymore. They're just the unhoused. Got it? (laughs) You people have no soul. Where was I going with this? Uh, what'd you do this morning? <laughs> Before Fox News or after? <laughs> I think I was doing, I think I was going to go to that California, the Chinese lab in California, which got me into science. <laughs> My mind works here. Which got me into science and trusting the science, which got us into bo- Botox, which got us into, down the road of that. Well, I've had this clip queued up for 12 and a half minutes. <laughs> All right. Let's, let's do this. Let me, which clip do you have queued up? The, the California lab lady? Yes, yeah, the Fox News report. All right. Why don't we do that? We'll take a quick break. We'll come back and we'll play the lady who discovered the Chinese bio lab. And then what I'll do is I'll tie that into the, how the people at the WEF, World Economic Forum, all want us to trust the science and how we're all supposed to bend over and be um, loyal to the science and how if you doubt science right now, 
You're supposed to take science back, even though science broke your heart. You're supposed to take it back and listen and trust it. So I'll, I'll tie these things together in a way that only I can do. 855-839-1210 on Twitter, at Rich Zioli, if you'd like to weigh in. And there is a sensational sale happening over at Cherry Hill Volvo this month. How about a beautiful S60 courtesy Volvo for less than $29,000? It's an incredible opportunity to experience luxury for less. These are courtesy S60s with less than 5,000 miles on them. They are selling right now for less than $29,000. And there are a limited number available, so don't wait on this one. Right now, Cherry Hill Volvo is undergoing a massive renovation to their dealership in order to serve you even better. They are open, they have ample inventory, and they are ready to meet you today. So why not start the year off with a luxury vehicle that you deserve? A Volvo from Cherry Hill Volvo. It's a great time to visit with many incredible incentives available to you. So hurry to Cherry Hill Volvo to get a courtesy S60 Volvo for less than $29,000. Or... Maybe with this bad weather, it reminds you you'd like to have a nice SUV. Now, I should mention Volvos are all-wheel drive, which is great, especially in the inclement weather. But if you want an SUV, the XC40 that I drive, the XC90 that Bridget drives, takes the kids around, super safe and sound. These are beautiful cars, reliable, and will get you and your family there safely. Either way, at Cherry Hill Volvo, they'll take great care of you because at Cherry Hill Volvo, relationships matter. Thanks for listening to the Seoli Show podcast from Talk Radio 1210 WPHD and the Odyssey app. No, 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 no. This is not an appropriate song. And I'll tell you why. <laughs> Even though I was on Fox News this morning. Seven. I still like ra- radio is my love. And I'll tell you the reason why. So you go to the studio and, uh, you know, you get your makeup and you do your hair. And they put you in the chair, they put the earpiece in, you know, all the whole thing. And that entire process takes like 40 minutes, you know? And the segment lasts for two and a half minutes. So you can't freewheel, you can't freeform, you can't go on tangents like I always do. I can't start with the World Economic Forum and wind up with Botox and then go back to the California lab and then wind up going back to my Fox News interview because my mind, I have the attention span of a gnat. Yeah, it's, it's all focused and scripted and everything has to be done according to time. You know what I mean? That's why my joke today about Dana, please don't call them homeless. You have to say the unhoused. I didn't have time to develop that. You know, there's a whole bit there with that, but you don't have time for that because the segment is like two minutes. You understand what I'm saying? You need more time in front of the camera or the microphone well i do need more time for the camera that's true but this is the same reason why rush limbaugh loved radio and always said he didn't want he, he didn't want a tv show he loved radio more because it's more freewheeling and it's not scripted and you can go on tangents and it de- just depends on where your mind goes like i'm sure a saturday night when, when jimmy Fallon's got his saturday night show i'm sure it's different than uh, the these condensed shows are but i mean these segments are for some of them by the way when you get asked to come on you have to actually even let them know your thoughts ahead of time because it, you know, it's so tightly wrapped. But radio, four hours, I can go in a million different directions. For example, I keep talking about this California lab where they had all these bad viruses and everything like that. But the whole point is we're always told by the people at the WEF, the World Economic Forum, the Bond villains, we have to trust the science. And that at Davos, where all of the elites hang out, they keep telling us over and over again that we need to trust the science. The participants frequently describe science as something approaching a catechism. 
the speakers at Davos are broadly concerned about declining trust in scientific institutions and express hope that scientists would train themselves to become better communicators of what is and is not scientific truth. One of the panelists, Carlos Alfonso Nobre, a researcher at the University of Sao Paulo, was positively apoplectic about the phenomenon of populist backlash against expertise and elitism around the world. I actually have the clip. I'll play it in a little bit. But he said, why is populism increasing? I don't understand. They're all anti-science. Why in democracies are we electing anti-science politicians? Another another panelist said, when did expert become a dirty word? In the last 10 to 20 years, there's been a deliberate attempt to inflame the public against experts. We definitely saw this during the COVID-19 pandemic. At no point during the hour-long discussion did any of the panel experts ever explore the idea that perhaps, perhaps, some of the backlash against science stem from pandemic-era policy mistakes made by government at the behest of scientists. The people that said, I am science. I remember when Dr. Anthony Fauci, Asanto Fauci, the nation's leading infectious disease doctor, you always have to say that by law, came out and said, when you attack me, you are attacking science. He declared himself to be science. And so whether it was masks, lockdowns, school closures, vaccines, all of it, they were all they were all lying to us about everything. And then if you disagree with any of it, you were accused of spreading misinformation. You were barred from speaking on social media. And in many cases, you were told you were racist. Like, for example, if you said COVID-19 came from a lab, that was labeled a racist conspiracy theory. The only thing you were allowed to say to not be a racist was that Chinese people have filthy eating habits. And they go to wet markets and eat raw bat. That was not considered racist. But if you said that the virus came from a lab, that was. Now, in the world of racism, I still can't understand that. Because I would think, from my perspective, if I were a Chinese person, as in being from China, if I lived in Wuhan, and I heard somebody stereotype me as eating raw bat, I'd be like, dude, that's racist. But then be like, no, 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 I'm defending you. You are? Yes, I'm defending you. From the racist idea that scientists at the Wuhan Institute of Virology somehow let the virus leak out of the lab. So wait, 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 wait. You're defending me from that allegation by telling everybody that I eat freaking raw bat? Like, that sounds worse. I don't know. It just sounds worse to me. But, but in the world of, of, of science, we were told that that was not racist. So you, you'd say that. you go, well, this guy went to the Wuhan wet market ordered a, a, a bat burger, an undercooked bat burger with a side of pangolin fries and a raccoon dog aioli. And these people have the filthiest, most disgusting eating habits. And that's how COVID started. And that's not racist. But if you say the virus came out of the lab, that's racist. You go, what, huh? How, I, don't, I, I would much rather be labeled as somebody who doesn't eat disgusting undercooked bat. Somehow I would think that it's the opposite of that. But anyway, I digress. The point is that the anti-science backlash is not a backlash against the obvious truth that the consensus on scientific questions has evolved over the course of the pandemic. The problem is that science declares something and then doesn't let you debate it. It shuts it down and tells you just and they're doing it again on climate change. 
So they're at Davos now, and the Bond villains at the WEF are all doing this about climate change. John Kerry yesterday came out and said, there's no debate. You can't have debate on climate change. It's over now. And so when all these experts and all the Bond villains at the WEF sit around in Davos and talk about this, they go, we need to do more to crack down on misinformation and disinformation. What they mean is they need to do more to crack down on your ability to debate them on their scientific consensus. Because when people come out and criticize the science, what, what, what actually is happening is you're, you're criticizing the global elites who have decided for you what the science is. And once that happens, there can be no debate. This is why I'm, I'm anti-bans. This is why I, 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 I tell people all the time, resist the ban. Like when people cheer the ban on trans fats, I said, please don't. Trans fats may be bad for your heart, but let me have the choice because they make donuts delicious. But more importantly, stop empowering the government to decide for us. Stop empowering bureaucrats to make decisions because someday it's today it's trans fats, tomorrow it's Skittles, and then it's going to be beef. Because when we get back, I'll play you a clip from one of the global elite Bond villains at the WEF who's now talking about how we have to eat less meat because agriculture is one of the biggest contributors to climate change. This is the bug crowd. This is the pro-bug crowd. You know, chomp on, on chocolate-covered grasshoppers, kids, and not the cookie kind, the real kind, the delicious, crunchy kind, which they're not serving at the WEF, by the way. They're serving, like, lobster and, and you know, and filet mignon and stuff like that, but that's what hypocrites do. They fly in private jets, and then they eat filet mignon and lobster while they lament about the eco-side of the fish. 855-839-1210 on Twitter, at Rich Zioli. Big hour number two straight ahead. Rich Zioli, weekday afternoons, 3 to 7, Talk Radio 1210, WPHT, and on the free Odyssey app. WPHT, WPHT, HD, WOGL, HD3, Philadelphia. From the Cherry Hill Volvo Studios, where relationships matter. Always live on the free Odyssey app. The revolution will be broadcast. Yes. This is the next generation of talk. Now, on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT, Rich Zioli. No, it's absolutely not true. It's not true, I tell you. It can't happen. Don't listen to it. Don't listen to what Cindy Adams of the New York Post said today when she said Michelle Obama could sneak her way into the 2024 presidential race. We know that can't happen, Susie. We know that can't happen. Welcome back to the show. Glad you're here today. 855-839-1210. On Twitter, at Rich Zioli. We've got a busy day for you. The um, president of the Heritage Foundation went over to the WEF and lectured the Bond villains over there at Davos, and it's great, and I'll share that with you as well. But look, I think, you know, if there's a theme of, of the show today, the theme of the show is that um, the trust the science crowd is very upset with you because despite all of their broken promises, Despite all of their lies, despite all the ways they tried to censor you and shut you up and all the different reasons they were wrong, they're mad at you because you just won't take them back and that you don't trust them anymore. So they want to crack down on more of your freedom so that you don't have a choice. See, if, 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 if you take away somebody's choice, well, then there can be no debate. See, if I, if I don't have a choice but to do what I'm told because you're not allowing me to debate it, then they win. This is, this is the problem with letting government decide science. Science can change. I mean, science can change because data can change. 
ways to access that data can change. And that's the problem. You know, the old, we used to have this joke a long time ago. You know, they say that there's a study that came out today that says broccoli will kill you. And then the next day, the study comes out and says that eating broccoli, you'll live to be 150 years old. You know, every single scientific story always has caveats within it. Always does. Every time. Except when the government decides. Do you notice that? When the government decides something, then there's no caveat. So when the government came out and said, you have to take the COVID vaccine because the COVID shot will keep you from getting it or giving it. You couldn't debate that. When they came out and said there's no myocarditis, the risks are very low, it's fine for kids, well, you couldn't debate that. That was it. That was it. made that decision. When they said COVID-19 came from an undercooked bat burger at the Wuhan wet market, that was it. Couldn't debate it. That's the science, period. When they said masks work, that's it. That's the science. Can't debate it. Boom. That's it. How it works. Climate change is very similar to that. There are experts out there who are saying These are scientists. The climate change is BS. It is nothing more than a Marxist plot to take over the world. And they're right. But you see, they're they're not given voices. And and when they are allowed on pesky little platforms like Twitter, this is when the Bond villains at the WEF turn around and say, we have to do more to crack down on Twitter because Twitter can't allow disinformation. You see? What is disinformation? It's anything that, that, that the government decides it is. Anything. It doesn't matter what it is. It's just they decide. It's the same. It's like hate speech or um, obscenity. You know, I asked this question the other day, and actually, I, I didn't get an answer, as a matter of fact, and I'm a little offended right now. I asked the question, who is a bigger disappointment? Justice <laughs> tells you what a freaking nerd I am, I swear. It never ceases to amaze me. Potter Stewart or Sandra Day O'Connor? Biggest turncoat, uh, Justice. And I didn't get an answer, but... Anyway, Justice Potter Stewart, who famously said, I know it when I see it, as he was talking about obscenity. It's the same thing with information. Right? The government knows it when it sees it. They know science when they see it, and you can't disagree, and you just have to go along with it. This is why not every problem has a solution, and it's why when you look to the government to provide the solutions, their way of doing it is to limit your freedom. Because if you, if you turn to them and say, save me from this, they'll do it. And then they're going to turn around and say, oh, well, we're at it. We're also going to save you from this, 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 and that. And then, and then when all the unintended consequences of that happen, or new data comes to light, or new research comes to light, and you try to bring that out, well, then the only answer is, now you're spreading disinformation. You're killing people. Do you remember when Joe Biden accused Facebook of killing people? Do you remember that? Killing people. When, the, when this lab in China was discovered, this secret Chinese bio lab in California, where they have all kinds of bad things there. There's like anthrax, Ebola, all kinds of different diseases, and it's filthy and disgusting. And why is it there? I'll tell you why it's there. Because there are bad people around the world who will buy viruses. They will buy these things. And I know that that sounds crazy, but there are, there are bad actors out there. And they're bad people out there. So anyway, uh, when that story came out, it was, as usual, greeted with the usual skepticism from the corporate media. Like, oh, you mean there's a Chinese-owned biolab in California that has nefarious viruses? Please. More of your wacky tinfoil hat ideas. Well, sure enough, it's true. And the code enforcement officer, who's the one that discovered this, 
has finally spoken out. So now that Matt DeSantis has had the the clip queued up for 47 minutes, let's finally play it, shall we? In December 2022, Code Enforcement Officer Jesslyn Harper noticed a green garden hose sticking out of the side of a warehouse in the small town of Reedley, California. The hose was a clear violation of the city's building code, so Officer Harper showed her badge and entered the warehouse. Inside the vast, dimly lit building, she found laboratory equipment, manufacturing devices, dangerous chemicals, and medical-grade freezers and containment units holding thousands of vials of biological substances. Some of these vials were unlabeled. Some were labeled in Mandarin. Others in a code that no one ever deciphered. Others were in English, with names of pathogens that Officer Parker did recognize, like HIV. The city also found approximately 1,000 transgenic mice, mice used for research of human disease, Mm. which biolab workers told them were, quote, genetically engineered to catch and carry the COVID-19 virus. That discovery kicked off a nine-month effort by the city of Reedley to address the public health risk posed by the illegal clandestine Reedley Biolab and to investigate what had happened at that facility and what might have happened if Officer Harper had been less alert. Reedley city officials reached out to relevant law enforcement, public health, and regulatory officials about their shocking discovery. The FBI declined to investigate. The CDC refused to speak to them and, on multiple occasions, hung up on local officials mid-conversation. Finally, frustrated, city officials turned to Representative Jim Costa, their local member of Congress. With Representative Costa's help, Reedley officials finally got the CDC on site. Based solely on reading the labels, the CDC identified at least 20 potentially infectious agents, including many in risk group 2 and 3. Per the CDC, pathogens in risk group 3 are serious or lethal human diseases. Despite the admitted risks, the CDC refused to test the samples or examine the unlabeled vials containing what appeared to be pathogens or other biological samples. CD officials repeatedly requested and even offered to pay for the testing, but the CDC still Now, let me jump in here for a moment. We're going to grab the audio of the code enforcement officer speaking out. Um, The CDC is there on site right now, actually cleaning up. They're they're in the process of cleaning up this lab. But think about it for a moment, right? This this lab, this this Jessalyn Harper is her name. She's the one who discovered the 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 the, uh, she's a code enforcement officer. That's her job, right? She saw this garden hose. She saw protruding from the building and she spoke with William Lajeunesse about about this on Fox News, but initially the federal government turned around and said, no way, that's not true. That's impossible. This can't be there. And now a year later, a year later today, right now, as we speak, the cleanup is going on at the suspicious California biolab with ties to China. It has been more than a year since the underground biolab in Reedley, California was first reported to officials. A year. And they're finally there today cleaning it up. Now, just ask yourself this question. Why did it take so long? Why? Why did it take so long? Why did it take a freaking year to figure out all these disease mice and pathogens and all these other things that are there, Ebola potentially, and, and, and God knows what else? Why did it take so long? Why did it take the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention a year to get there? A year to clean it up? Why? And then ask yourself another question. Who benefits from this? Who benefits from allowing this lab to stay in play? I mean, nope. theoretically, the answer is nobody. Except the problem is, if it's linked to China, that makes China the bad guy. And we don't want to do that in this country. Not with this president, anyway. 
I mean, that's really the bottom line. Behind a temporary green fence under cover of heavy fog, a small team of Environmental Protection Agency hazmat contractors moved to load up and ship out 800 containers full of chemicals still left behind in a warehouse-turned-underground biolab with suspicious ties to China. It has been more than a year since the filth-ridden building surreptitiously filled with blood samples, genetically altered mice, and potentially lethal infectious agents was uncovered by Jessalyn Harper, a newly hired code enforcement officer. Local officials have repeatedly stressed that no one in Reedley, California, or the surrounding area was exposed to the horrors inside. Malaria, dengue fever, hepatitis, HIV, and Ebola are just some of the infectious agents and parasites that were reputedly all there, all capable of infecting or killing untold Americans. However, no one has been criminally charged for the shocking discoveries inside what had been an abandoned warehouse. And now imagine you're living in Reedley, California, right? You're living there next to this place. And you're saying to yourself, you mean for a year they knew about this and for a year our government didn't go in there and do something about it? For a freaking year. Hey, there's Ebola there. I mean, last time I checked, Ebola is not good. None of that stuff is good. Dengue fever. I do understand that investigations take time, and some of them take years depending on the complexity, said the city manager, Nicole Zieba. Would I have liked to see some changes around here? Yes, I would like to see some charges uh, and people going to, to jail. Can you, is it possible maybe you can skip closer possibly? Um, I don't know exactly where, Matt, but if you go down, I'm I'm watching her speak in the the thing on the page. Are you looking at it on your phone? Maybe it's changing the format of it, perhaps. I'm just wondering that. I don't know. It could be. Let me me double check. Um, it's all right. Here, I'll, I'll read what she said. She said, I do understand. Let's see. Let's see if I can go back to her for a moment. She said, um, worst case scenario, someone could have gotten really sick and they could have spread it throughout the community. Think about that. But it's China, so we cover for them. We cover for China. Why do we cover for China? Because they have the receipts on Joe Biden. That's why. It's the same exact reason why we covered for China when it came to COVID-19. Now, you and I are told all the time to trust these people, trust government, trust the data, trust the science, trust all these people because they protect you. They have your back. They're looking out for you. There's a freaking Chinese owned bio lab in a neighborhood in California with Ebola, dengue fever, hepatitis, HIV and malaria. And for a freaking year. The government doesn't do a damn thing about it. But I'm supposed to trust them to deal with, um, I I don't know, whether my kids should eat Twinkies. I'm supposed to trust them on whether or not my kids should eat Skittles. You know what I mean? I'm supposed to trust these idiots on whether or not I should be allowed to use a plastic bag. Do you see my problem that I have with them? When you turn over your fealty to these people, when you turn over your 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 liberty under the skies of keeping me safe, and then you, this mindset of, well, government, they'll keep us safe from all these bad things. And then you have a, a Chinese-owned biolab that sits there for a year. They knew about it, and for a year they did nothing about it. For a year. And these are the same people you're going to turn around and, 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 and wait patiently for them to declare, for example, that a state of emergency exists before a freaking snowstorm? You see what I mean? How we've all become such sheep. We've all become so conditioned 
to just trust the experts. A recent bipartisan congressional report determined that the guy who owned that lab received significant financial payments from China, was in the country illegally after fleeing Canada nearly a decade ago, and after being found guilty of fraud, including stealing U.S. intellectual property, and along with fellow defendants, ordered to pay $330 million in damages. This guy's zoo. While it's possible that federal prosecutors are looking to expand their case against him, it does not appear that the mere possession of most of the agents reported in the warehouse is illegal. Are you freaking kidding me? He told uh, prosecutors apparently said they could not confirm or deny a potential investigation into any possible criminal activity tied to the biolab or how the various agents were obtained or possibly transported into the country. Last summer, California Attorney General Rob Bonta, a Democrat, told reporters his office was in the early stages of its inquiry into the operation, thus raising the possibility that Zhu or others could be charged with state crimes. Do you remember when China came to California when Xi Jinping came and they um, cleaned up all the homeless poop? Excuse me. Excuse me. The unhoused. They cleaned up all the poop from the unhoused, put away all the tents, put up. They flew all the communist Chinese party flags. And they all bowed down to him. Do you think anybody pulled G or anybody from his team aside and said, hey, what's up with this bio lab? Hey, why are you, what, what's up with this? Why do we have a bio lab in our estate? Do you think anybody in California did that? I don't think so. You think so? Probably not. The halting response from prosecutors mirrors the, the seemingly tepid reaction from various federal and state agencies who were implored to intervene at the outset by local interests who felt the dangers presented by the biolab were beyond the city limits of the 25,000 person town. Hey, I, I have a, a very quick question to ask. When the old saying in politics is NIMBY, not in my backyard, who wants this in their backyard? Nobody. Considering that we know that COVID escaped from a lab. Whether it was an accidental leak or maybe on purpose, we know that COVID came from a lab. Knowing that, would you want to be anywhere near this bio, bio lab, this illegal bio lab? Would you? In fact, federal agents determined that the lab was not actually weaponized, and then they just bowed out of the case. Oh, that's good. That's helpful. The FBI agents were called within days of the lab's discovery. But listen, here's the thing. The FBI, they have a lot to do. They're busy spying on people with MAGA hats. You cannot expect them to drop their investigations into people with Betsy Ross flags to suddenly deal with whether or not this Chinese-funded biolab in California might be problematic. Fox News has also learned that various entities within the Department of Homeland Security were never involved in the case either. Fox News received no official response when the Department of Homeland Security was asked if its BioWatch program the National Biosurveillance Investigation Center or its National Biodefense Analysis and Countermeasures Center were activated. A bioterrorism expert and a retired Air Force colonel said the clandestine lab should set off alarm bells in Washington and beyond. Really? You think? Calling attention to the possibility that bad actors could plan a mass casualty attack by legally obtaining deadly biological agents. Hmm. Hmm. You, hmm. Re really? In its 40-page report on the lab released in November, the House Select Committee on China called special attention to what it called the CDC's inadequate response. 
Last spring, agency microbiologists spent multiple days inside the lab and produced a report detailing the troubling infectious agents supposedly inside the building. However, the congressional report says it is baffling that the Centers for Disease Control failed to actually test the vials to make their determinations. This is what they found. Ready? Quote, these are the experts now, the CDC, the Centers for Disease Control. This is why you got to trust the science. This is why you need to trust the science and bureaucrats and understand that they have your best interests at heart. When they try to ban boysenberry flavored vapes, it's because they love you and they want you to live a long life. It's not because they're trying to control you. All right. Quote. Despite the probability that the unlabeled or coded vials contained additional unknown and dangerous pathogens, CDC officials refused to take any further investigative steps. It also claimed the CDC officials failed to take meaningful action when presented with evidence that Ebola, classified at the highest level of concern, may have been present. Yeah, but listen, there may be Ebola there, but somebody may have been vaping a strawberry jam vape which is, in my opinion, far worse. You know what I mean? Way worse. So you got to prioritize things. I mean, the FBI could spend time investigating this, but then again, what are they going to do about you and all your MAGA friends and tracking you down for all your gun purchases and the fact that you might have been anywhere near Washington, D.C. In, in January of 2021? Like they can't, You can't possibly expect them to give that up. And the CDC and the FDA and the NIH and all these people, they're very busy, you understand. Some kid out there somewhere is eating something with red dye number six in it. And that is not good. Okay, that's not good. This is way, not nearly as bad. Ebola is not nearly as bad as red number six. (laughs) Ah, the CDC defended its actions. Of course they did. They said it demonstrated a significant gap in our awareness of these kind of laboratories. And frankly, the possibility, even though that no one got hurt or there was no, if you will, negative fallout, it just identifies that this kind of laboratory could represent a future challenge or a threat to our country. Really? You you think? And not only that, but the idiots in the California government also did nothing. I mean, literally in this entire story, Of all these various government agents and actors and everybody involved, there's only one person who's a hero here, and that's the code enforcement officer who just happened to see a freaking hose hanging out and and, and for that reason blew the whistle on this whole thing. Everybody else involved is an idiot. From the FBI, the CDC, to the state of California, the California EPA, the State Department of Toxic Substances Control for Emergency Assistance, all of these people, none of them did anything. And you got to wonder why. For several years prior to its move to Reedley, this biolab had been openly operating in nearby Fresno, but city workers there had suspicions about the true nature of the enterprise operating under the name Universal Meditech Inc. Those concerns were elevated in October of 2022, and it became clear a move was imminent. I have a question for you. Do you think maybe politicians got any money from these people? A, uh, a, a nefarious agency called the State Department of Toxic Substances Control 
after several days of inaction, they said they would not get involved. They referred this back to the local health agency. And within weeks, the lab operators were able to secretly relocate the entire operation to this other secret lab without permits, without regulation or permission. Now, if you want to put a freaking deck on your backyard, you better have a permit for that. All right. If you want to remodel your kitchen, you better get a permit because that's bad if you don't. You know what I mean? You better let government inside your house and you better get a permit for that. But if you want to relocate a secret bio lab with Ebola, malaria, dengue fever and whatnot, that's all good. Don't worry about permits for that. That's fine. Uh, One of the local officials said, I refuse to accept the idea that nothing else was happening in this facility that there is nothing else that any federal or state agency can do. The community was traumatized. I think this nation was traumatized. And to have an entire government system simply turn away and say, well, the building is clean now. We can all walk away and go on to the next thing. No, 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 no. We need to continue to raise the flag. Well, let's continue playing the clip we have, Matt. It's okay. Let's continue playing that one. That one was good as well. Um, If you still have it. Anyway. CDC then reached the conclusion that there was no evidence of select agents or toxins and had state and local authorities destroy all the materials pursuant to court order. Subject to this court order and based on the CDC's refusal to test the samples, city officials eradicated approximately 104 tons of general waste, including complex laboratory equipment and 448 gallons of medical and biological waste. Mm. Along the way, Local officials who had previously not thoroughly investigated several of the freezers for fear of encountering a dangerous pathogen made a shocking discovery. A freezer labeled Ebola filled with sealed silver bags consistent with how the Reedley Biolab operators stored sensitive biological materials. Hang Ebola on a second. Has a 25- for the record, I labeled my freezer Ebola too. And you know why? Because I, I don't want anyone getting my leftover pizza. Do you ever come home... <laughs> And sometimes you're crazy, like, you know, you've got a slice of pizza in the fridge and you get there, but somebody's already eaten it. It is one of the worst (laughs) feelings in the world. You're driving home and you're thinking to yourself, that cold slice of pizza, which in my opinion, you don't heat a pizza, you eat it cold right out of the fridge. And you get there and you open that, that door and that pizza's not there. For that reason, I label my fridge Ebola. This is, these are valuable life lessons. Brought to you by Dr. Mike Venari of VenariDental.com. If you want to keep people from eating your, your leftover pizza, which we all agree is better, cold out of the fridge, am I right? Yeah, I don't totally. eat up pizza. Absolutely, no, I, right? No, it's yeah, you can't heat it up. It changes everything. No, you can't bring it back to life. Once no. it's cold, it's cold. Let it be cold. And during COVID... I think I put on 20 pounds like everybody else did from eating pizza at night. And then in the morning, I would have a slice on the air. What? I pull it out of the fridge because I think cold pizza for breakfast is the greatest breakfast ever, ever. I really, I mean that. I mean, look, you have cheese, you have, you have sauce, which is healthy, bread, all that. You know what I'm saying? None of that sounds healthy. It's all delicious for you. It's all good. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think so. So when you come to my home, you walk in, you go, that's a beautiful fridge. Ebola. Yes. I have Ebola in there. Shh. <laughs> It's really just a slice of cold pizza. <laughs> yes, Dr. Mike Venaria, VenariaDental.com. 
uh, is our big story sponsor. All right, keep going with this. This story fascinates me. It really does. Is that it? I'm to 90% lethality Okay, I'll break. I'm sorry. I got to break. Henry's yelling at me in my ear. Henry's trying to give me malaria if I don't break. So I'm going to break. <laughs> I come back. We'll continue on this. Billy talks as I label my bacon Ebola. That's the other thing, too. You weren't craving your bacon. Somebody ate your bacon. That's a terrible thing, right? All right, 855-839-1210. We're coming right back. The Zioli Show on your schedule from Talk Radio 1210 WPHT in the free Odyssey app. I'll tell you something else, too, with all of this. Um, hey, look, it's just, it's just, uh, this, this is all a lesson for you and for me, for all of us, too, about the experts, the science, the people that are supposed to keep us safe, protect us, uh, and uh, why it's all a bunch of BS. And you know what? The guy who's in charge of the Heritage Foundation, we, the Heritage Foundation president decided to go to Davos. And I'm glad he went. I'm glad he went. I'm glad Javier Mele, my favorite elected politician in the world, went to. And I'm glad that Kevin went to the WEF because people got to push back on this stuff. You know what I mean? They got to push back on this. I'm going to get to him in just a second. But first, I want to play this. There's a panel discussion they have called the, um, you know, it's like trust the science or whatever. This will be cut 16, Matt. And they... They asked the question, when did the word expert become an insult? All right. So when did the word expert become an insult? That's as they're speaking from Davos, Switzerland. That's essentially now what they're talking about. I think all this ties in together. I really do. I think all this ties in together because when you pick up the phone and you call the experts and you go, hey, there's like Ebola here and malaria and HIV and hepatitis and the experts do nothing. Because those experts are too busy spying on you and, and, and watching what you say on social media and all these other things. Borders wide open. Ch- all these Chinese nationals keep coming into our country. Now you become very, very suspicious of experts. And when the experts are wrong, and when the experts try to control your life, and they get it wrong, and those same experts are now telling you what kind of car to drive, what kind of stove to have, what to eat, what you can eat, what to drink, what not to drink. They become very, very suspicious of these people, and rightfully so. Cut 16. It's hard for us, I'm a climate scientist, to understand misinformation, disinformation, because, you know, we've been saying, for instance, this year, 2023, we had the warmest year in 125,000 years. You have to go back to the last interglacial period. All the record-breaking climate extremes you know, we are saying that for decades now, more and more. So it's hard to believe why misinformation, disinformation, because the science is showing the risk of climate change. So we have to understand the way, not to communicate, because science is communicating, but why some people still do not believe in that. Mm-hmm. What I find striking, and and you probably have the same thing also as a journalist, what I noticed in the last years, let's say in the last five years, uh, starting with the Brexit, uh, then we had the pandemic, uh, then we had the ongoing climate issue as well. When did the word expert become almost an insult in some circles, or that some circles started to mistrust the word expert itself? Because you people were wrong so many times. But the other part about it is that you're not just wrong. 
all these unintended consequences from your bad decisions. So, yeah, you know what? I think the word expert, I take that word very, very cautiously. I'm sorry, but that guy just sounds very much to me like all of these people do. There is nothing you can talk to me about that I don't already know. That's they're Bond villains and they're and, and, and they're in charge. And that's it. And then you can't disagree with these people. Look, the FBI was way too busy to deal with that biolab, the Chinese secret biolab in California, where they had malaria and Ebola and all this other stuff. They were too busy asking banks to search private transactions for terms like MAGA and Trump. So the Federal Bureau of Investigation did nothing about a secret Chinese biolab. But instead, as Representative Jim Jordan of Ohio points out, well, they did spend a lot of time looking through social media posts using a software uh, uh, portal to figure out what people were saying so that they could spy on you. Cut one. But here's the here's the real takeaway. The censorship industrial complex was bigger than we thought. It wasn't just big government working with big tech to limit your speech and limit Twitter or tweets and post on Facebook. It was big government, big universities and big tech all working together to limit speech. And it was disproportionately, as you listed off all those conservatives, disproportionately targeting conservatives. Molly Hemingway, Sean Hannity, President Trump, members of Congress. You can go down the list. That's who they went after. And here's the kicker. It was all true stuff. Or some cases it was satire. It was a joke, but it was all true. And yet they went after it uh, in this organized fashion where they limited how the, the, the reach it would have, the visibility filtering they did, and they took things down. That's how egregious this was. But you can't fault the FBI for not doing anything about a secret Chinese biolab with Ebola, HIV, malaria, and all the other stuff because they had to do that. Priorities. Priorities. 855 on Twitter, at Rich Zioli. Here is, um, I have so much great audio for you today. I don't even know where to begin. Here is uh, another person here from the WEF, the World Economic Forum. This is uh, another expert telling us what we can eat, what we can't eat. And this is World Economic Forum agenda contributor, Naomi Oreska, who asserts that animal agriculture is a big problem. And of course, the experts will tell us what we need to do about it. Cut 14. To come back to what Carlos said about agriculture. And this is, I think, really important to understand. And it's a little depressing, but I think if we don't understand it, we can't fix it. So in the case of agriculture, so we know, as you said, agriculture, particularly animal agriculture, is a major source of greenhouse gas emissions, a major driver of climate change. So one thing people can do to help, in this case, is to eat less meat. So what are we seeing happening in the United States? The agriculture industry is spreading disinformation. But here's where it gets particularly tricky. Not about climate change. They're spreading disinformation about the public health benefits of a plant-forward diet. So one of the great things about eating less red meat, and you don't have to eliminate it altogether, but just eating less, good for the planet, and it's good for your body. So this is a win-win solution, and it's something that we all could do. We all have the power. We all have agency over what we eat. 
But there are researchers in the United States who work on the health benefits of a plant-based diet who have been attacked by the same people who attack climate scientists. Mm -hmm. So this isn't about public understanding science or not being transparent. This is about an organized attempt to confuse people. Now, uh, some people think eating red meat is actually really good for you. And there's lots of debates about that, whether or not you should eat more red meat, whether we should eat more protein, whether or not. And there's all kinds of debates about that. But they've decided. See, this is what I mean. The experts decide. They've decided. And that's it. And you don't get to debate. Don't debate them. They know better than you. They're smarter than you and they're better than you, damn it. So be a good person and do what you're told, okay? Good. 855-839-1210. On Twitter, at Rich Zioli. So much more to come. Don't go away. Thanks for listening to the Seoli Show podcast from Talk Radio 1210 WPHT and the Odyssey app. Good advice. There's uh, a lot. I mean, I got I got loaded up with WEF clips, and of course, we're going to talk about Iowa, New Hampshire. I mean, New Hampshire, South Carolina, all of that. I opened the show with that today. Obviously, um, the <laughs> you know the I'll tell you one of the things that that bothers me about Nikki Haley, and that is that. She keeps missing an opportunity to fight back, to fight back against what the Democrats have done to America. Here's what I mean by this. You know, people don't read their history, but I remember one time somebody said to me, you know, if aliens came down from wherever they are and they turned around and they said, wait, you mean the black vote? Democrats win the black vote? They would be so confused because it was the Republican Party that that ended slavery. The Republican Party has abandoned this. I don't know why. They've abandoned the fact that they were founded on two principles. That was defending the Second Amendment and ending slavery. Those were the two principles of why the Republican Party was was founded, because at the time, the Second Amendment was shockingly under attack by Democrats, and the Democrat Party was the party of slavery, the party of Jim Crow, the party of the KKK, um, the party that put Japanese Americans in internment camps. But the Republicans don't fight back on this stuff. They never do. Instead, they let Democrats win. They don't know how to push back and turn around and say, well, yeah, you know what? America was racist and your party was the one leading the charge. And thank God my party was the one that, <laughs> that was able to win. And we're the same political party we were then. You guys have not flipped and don't pretend because that lie does not exist and i've proven that to you whenever one of your smart little friends tries to tell you that the parties have flipped remember there is an unbroken line of progressivism that goes from the confederate states of america to woodrow wilson to franklin delano roosevelt to lbj to barack obama to this idiot in the white house and it skips a couple because i mean john f kennedy was obviously different but um it's an unbroken line of progressivism. The, the same policies that they're advocating today are the same policies that FDR was advocating and that Woodrow Wilson was advocating. So how can you tell me the parties have flipped? Can't. Because they haven't. Uh, but here's Nikki Haley firing back at Joy Reid after she claims that Haley lost Iowa due to racism. Cut 18. The elephant in the room, she's still a brown lady. 
that's got to try to win in a party that is deeply anti-immigrant. It's still a challenge. I don't see how she becomes the nominee of that party with Donald Trump still around. I can't picture it happening. Maybe it could happen. Ron DeSantis' only argument for staying in it is he's the white guy that he can still make the appeal to Whitey. Wow. Do you agree with her interpretation of the results? I mean, first of all, I mean, Joy Reid lives in a different America than I do. I mean, yes, I'm a brown girl that grew up in a small rural town in South Carolina who became the first female minority governor in history, who became a U.N. ambassador, and who is now running for president. If that's not the American dream, I don't know what is. You can sit there and give me all the reasons why you think I can't do this. I will continue to defy everybody on why we can do this, and we will get it done. Are you a racist party? Are you involved in a racist party? No. We're, we're not a racist country, Brian. How about pushing back and saying that the Democrats are, are a, a racist party? They are. They should be canceled. I mean, really, if you think about it. But something else, too. And this is what I would have said. I would have said, seems to me like the black woman couldn't get the party's nomination in the Democrat Party. Because who do they go with? They want the old white dude. Joe Biden got the nomination over Kamala Harris. Are we supposed to pretend that didn't happen? Am I supposed to pretend like they didn't go with the old white geezer over Kamala Harris? Why do we, why does, why does people, why does she see ground like this? Why, why do they, why do they go on, on defense? Go on offense and fight these people back. And if you want a good playbook for how to do that, by the way, Levin's book, uh, The Democrat Party Hates America, is excellent because it's filled with historical facts of all the things that the Democrat Party has done over the years. So, or just keep playing defense all the time and keep letting them win. But you see, I'd ask that question. I'd be like, wait a second, wait a second, wait a second. Who, who got the nomination in the Democrat primary in 2020? It, was, it, was it the black woman who was running or was it the old white geezer? I'm, 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 I'm a... I forget. Uh, let's see here. Jim is in New Jersey. Jim, how are you, sir? What's going on? Good. Uh, one of the suggestions, thanks for taking my call. Um, one of the suggestions I would make, because you were talking about the Chevron thing over the past couple of days, uh, is remove the uh, protection all these bureaucrats have from being anonymous, you know, no faces, no names. So for any kind of rule or whatever it is they try to promulgate, in the end, at the bottom, their name, their phone number, their email has to be on that document or what have you. Um, and I don't mean like, you know, the general number for the Department of the Interior, their actual work. Uh, and I mean every last one of them. And they can't dodge behind, oh, I was in a work group, I was in a discussion group, et cetera, et cetera. Every last one of them. Uh, that, might, that might provide people some kind of a pushback. It's a good suggestion. I like it. I don't know all the machinations of how um, what details have to be part of a rule that's being promulgated, but it's a great it's a great suggestion, Jim. Thank you very much. Yeah, and I want it. Yeah, go ahead. I, could I? Uh, yeah, you were talking about Ebola. Could I suggest two books? The one is actually thirty years old. I'm surprised. It's called The Hot Zone. Oh, it's a great book. It's a be- yeah, it's about the Ebola outbreak down in uh, Reston, Virginia. Yeah, it's when it got out of and the lab. In- it's great. Yeah, interestingly enough. The same mindset was in, in place right at the beginning of it. The CDC, the FDA, nobody wanted to own it. It turned out in the end, the Army was the one who had to go in and eradicate it in the building. And the same author, his name is Douglas Preston, he wrote another one about uh, 
smallpox. It's called uh, the demon in the freezer. That's yep. another good read. I read that too. You got good yeah. taste, my man. You should read Terry Hayes' books. They're great. You know what? I looked that up. I want to get the one. Uh, well, we're I'm having the event. You should come to the one. event, February 7th. You'll get a copy of his new book, The Year of the Locust, and he'll sign it, and it's it's outstanding. You the, you learn about the secret, you know, the workings of the CIA. I mean, it's fiction, but it's it's great. It's fantastic. So, uh, Jim, thanks, buddy. Thanks for the call. Have a great rest of your day today. I appreciate it. Thank you. Are you bet? Matt is in Wilmington. Matt, what's up, buddy? Yeah, hey, back to the uh, bio lab. I wonder if they used, like, the fancy Ziploc bags with the tab mm. or if they used the, the cheapy bags that you have to press together that gets the air bubbles. That's a great point. And then, um... Yeah. I, would, I hope right? they use the zipper, the zipper ones, right? Don't they have the zipper ones now? I think the zippers work. And then if they yeah. use the, the permanent Sharpie, because the, the, the permanent ones sometimes do well, but the other ones smear, so... That's an excellent, excellent suggestion. And if you're going to label your freezer Ebola, I suggest putting tape on it first and then writing Ebola on the tape. You know what I mean? Okay. Matt, thank you, buddy. Thanks for, thanks for the call. I think we lost Matt. I think the government silenced him there. Uh, 855-839-1210 is the number. All right. So in the 5 o'clock hour, I got more on the uh, demons at Davos and the pushback from some people, including Javier Mele and also the uh, president of the Heritage Foundation, uh, Kamala Harris was asked a question, and what is your plan to try to change the perception that Joe Biden is too old to be president? There's a lot of stuff going on here today that we will share with you. Um, but I want to remind you, you know, this event with Terry Hayes is going to be great coming up on February 7th. So mark your calendar for that. And there's another event coming up as well, and that's Comedy Night at Parks Casino. We've got Parks Casino Comedy Night on Thursday, February, uh, what day is that now? That is Thursday, February 1st. And that'll be Parks Casino. Just go to parkscasino.com slash comedy. Joe Conklin's Comedy Night. I'll be the MC along with Mike Baldini. Uh, some great comedians there. Tickets are 20 bucks. Includes your first drink. And it always sells out. So do that today. Go to parkscasino.com slash comedy. You must be 21. And gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER. Big 5 o'clock hour, 30 minutes of nonstop talk. Straight ahead. Don't go away. Rich Zioli, weekday afternoons, 3 to 7, Talk Radio 1210, WPHT, and on the free Odyssey app. WPHT, WPHT, HD, WOGL, HD3, Philadelphia. From the Cherry Hill Volvo Studios, where relationships matter. Always live on the free Odyssey app. The revolution will be broadcast. This is the next generation of talk. Now, this is the drive at 5. 30 minutes of non-stop talk with Rich Zioli. Jamie Dimon says, stop bashing MAGA supporters. Can we just be nice to each other, please? The evil overlords at the WEF in Davos have more plans to control us. But there's some pushback, which is good. And uh, it turns out that some teachers are losing their jobs because they're not complying with the transgender nonsense that's happening in schools. Welcome back to the show. Glad you're here today. We have 30 minutes of nonstop talk for you. Straight ahead, 855-839-1210. On Twitter, at Rich Zioli. But let me switch over to, I usually keep Fox News on. I was on Fox News this morning. I don't know if I mentioned that or not. Did I mention that? Drink. Oh, Okay. Uh, so I was on Fox News this morning, America's Newsroom with Dana Perino. 
eight and nine. And my buddy Jennifer Stefano. So while I was on there on Fox News this morning, uh, talking about Philadelphia's homeless problem, I got an alert on my phone that there's a code blue and that we have a winter weather emergency upon us. So I'm going to switch over to the local uh, Philadelphia news channel. I usually keep Fox News on, which I was on this morning, but I, you, I'm going to switch over to what's going on locally here. And as you can imagine, the top story is the weather. So we have um, a meteorologist who is on the roof talking about the impending cold. All right. So we're going to get snow tomorrow. Buckle up. I don't know. I saw this tweet on 6ABC. Why cold air outbreaks are still happening amid global warming. (laughs) It's an actual tweet. An actual story. From 6ABC. Why cold air outbreaks are still happening amid global warming. Warmer global temperatures are causing weather events to be more extreme. See, this is the nice thing about believing in climate change. You're never wrong. If it's like a really cold winter, you go climate change. If it's a winter with no snow, you go climate change. You get a big blizzard, climate change. See, you're never wrong. If the summer is super hot, climate change. If the summer isn't very hot, climate change. It just, you're never wrong. You just, whatever it is, you blame climate, blame climate change. Where's that song that Opelka made for me? Blame climate change. Where is that? Blame the climate change. You know that one? I'm not familiar with the work, but I'll I'll look around. This is pre you guys. That's why. Yeah. Or as I call it, the good old days. (laughs) Just kidding. <laughs> oh, I'll tell you what. Oh, by the way, DeSantis, I was supposed to tell you. I forgot to tell you. You're coming to, uh, we're going to do the show live from CPAC. Oh, nice. And we're going to do the show live from the Democrat National Convention. Very nice. And the Republican National Convention this year. Very, very nice. I don't know if I was supposed to say that on the air or not, but I'm supposed to tell you. And <laughs> Thank you for it just sharing. just occurred to me to tell you, so. <laughs> yeah, no one has told me anything, so. Yeah, I was supposed to tell you, apparently, but I forgot, and Greg reminded me today. <laughs> and then, of course, I just blurted out on the air, so. I think I have your climate change song here. Oh, do you have it? I think. All right, let's hear it. Let's see it. This is it. This is it. Yes. Gotta blame it on something. Gotta blame it on something. We have a global emergency. Blame it on the cause. The world is going to end in 12 years if we don't address climate change. Green New Deal will do. Get rid of cows and airplanes too. Blame the climate change. Yeah. <laughs> Gotta blame it on something. Gotta blame it on something. Blame the climate change. The future of the planet is at stake. Well done. Yeah, so Michael Pelka, so our buddy Stunt Brain, made that for me years ago. And it's, it doesn't age. I mean, it's, it's still as, as apropos today as it was back then. Blame the cows, right? That tune is stuck in my head now. I hope you're happy. That's Millie Vanilli. Blame it on the rain. Oh, is it? Mm-hmm. I didn't know that. Millie Vanilli, Blame It on the Rain. And what was their other big hit? They, they, they lip synced everything, but what was the other big hit they had? It was, um, I can't remember now. See, you guys are too young for this. You missed the Millie Vanilli Girl, era. Girl, you know it's true. Girl, you know it's true. Thank you, Henry. Girl, you know it's <laughs> Yes, I can't, I can't sing, so I'm not going to try, but Girl, You Know It's True and Blame It on the Rain were their two big hits. They were two, it was, they were two hit wonders. As a one-hit wonder, they were a two-hit wonder. 
And it turned out, I think the big scandal with them was they they lip sank. It wasn't actually them singing or some something. There was some scandal, but yeah, that's the only reason I know them is because yeah, yeah it wasn't them singing. Uh, and I think the Grammys clawed back the awards that they won. I believe you're right on that point. And so then they just faded into oblivion. Like, what are they doing now? They could be producers of KYW for all I know. Like I would, I, yeah, this is it. This is their other song, right? Uh-huh. Come on. You feel this. Yeah, you do. You do. As you're getting ready for the storm. Got to get the milk, the bread, the eggs. Got to get all that. You rushing out to get the French Toast Industrial Complex do their bidding? This is a terrible song. I mean, this is really bad, isn't it? Yeah, it's not good. It sounds very 80s. I think it was 90s, though. Oh, that's not good, then. Yeah, I'm pretty sure this was 90s. Let's see. 1990 is when they yeah. won the Grammy for Best New Art. It was, um, it's all synthesized. Yeah, and the, just the bars they're throwing out. But this is not Girl You Know It's True, though. Yes, it is. Is it? Really? Yeah. Oh, you're right. <laughs> Yeah, and they would dance together in tandem. Remember that? <laughs> they dressed this kind of similar. They would they would dance. They do this dance together. Remember that? I've never seen it. Yeah. <laughs> One of them is living in Amsterdam now. In case you were wondering what happened to them. Amsterdam. So he's putting he's drowning his fries in uh, mayonnaise. <laughs> Tell you they drown him in that stuff. Um. <laughs> so speaking of frauds. Sure, one day we'll find out that this was all lip synced. Taylor Swift. All right, you Swifties, bring it on. The, the Zeoli Army will defend me. Uh, Taylor Swift's carbon allowance how not to feel guilty about private jet travel, meet CO2 offsets. That's right. No one escapes the climate pile. Pol- pol- uh, we sort of. No one escapes. <laughs> I said Millie Vanilli. Can I have somebody dub this monologue for me? It'd be a lot easier. Try this again. <laughs> no, I'm so happy because I was on Fox News this morning. Whenever I'm on Fox Dang. News, I get giddy for the whole day. And whenever Dana Perino texts me and says, and I quote, let me quote Dana right now, you're a crowd favorite, exclamation mark. Oh, that's the second time you've mentioned that. So that's also <laughs> drink. I'm going to start counting those as well. I'm who who said like am I worse than Biden bringing up January sixth? It's that, that's interesting actually. We, we should, should do get, a comparison. Yeah, get like a random Biden speech and then compare. Uh, you know, see how many times he mentions it in the course of like a half hour, for example, and then yeah. see how many times you mention I, I, your Fox appearance. I think uh, per minute he blows Rich out of the water. You there. think so? Oh yeah, hundred yeah. percent. Because I mean he's. His speech is whatever, half an hour tops. You're on here for four hours. He's got to get all those in. Right. He's got to talk about threats of democracy and January 6th and democracy and democracy. He's got to say that a billion times in 30 yeah. minutes. It probably depends on what hour of the show we pull for comparison, though, because Rich did mention it seven times in hour one, and uh, he's kind of slowed down since. Well, I'm about to pick up pace. <laughs> No, I, I forgot I was on there for a minute because I got all into the whole thing about the Ebola freezer. But then I looked up and there's Dana Perino on the five. And it just reminded me that I was on America's Newsroom this morning with Dana Perino this morning. Drink. So 
you know, it's little things that, that trigger you, you know what I mean? Little reminders of things sometimes. How my brain works anyway. Uh, so where was I going with this? Oh, yes. No one escapes the climate police these days, and that includes Taylor Swift. The pop star has been criticized recently for emitting CO2 on her frequent trips on a private jet to see Travis Kelsey play for the Kansas City Chiefs. But not to worry. A spokesperson for the entertainer says Ms. Swift has been buying carbon offsets. This is the best scam ever. I love this. I really do. I love this even more than now. Second, only to Davos. I mean, um, Dubai hosting the COP28 climate summit. Dubai, which is building more islands. They're building islands to do more drilling for oil. Hosted the COP28 summit. I love them for that. I do. I think it's fantastic. They're so all into oil drilling. And they're like, hey, you guys want to do a climate summit? We'll host you. No problem. All our napkins are recycled and we'll give you plastic straws that are made of paper. Um, Just don't look at us drilling as we build more islands to drill more into the ocean to get more oil. I love it. I love it. But anyway, I also love carbon offsets. This scam had to be invented by some, a, a Jersey Italian had to come up with this or a South Philly Italian, don't you think? Yeah. Here's what you do. You spewing out a lot of carbon? No problem. Give me money. I'll buy, I'll call it an offset and I'll buy a tree. And then you can name it and then you're good. You have no climate anymore. That, like, that's how the conversation went. <laughs> Something like that. It's like, oh, you're spewing a lot of carbon? No problem. So uh, here's what you do. You give me uh, $50,000, I'm going to plant a bunch of trees in Brazil. That's going to offset the emissions uh, from your uh, private jet or whatnot. I go, really? Uh, yeah. Yeah, just give me the 50 grand and I'll plant the trees. That's basically what it is. And really, it, no, I'm not joking. That's really what it is. The, the the offset, the megastar joins a growing concert of companies and countries that are allowing these climate indulgences to offset their CO2 emissions. These privately issued credits let them pretend to be reducing emissions even when they're not. While the credits have a, uh, have a notional financial value, their primary purpose is to deflect criticism. The credits are similar to commodities in that they can be traded. They're usually denominated in dollars or euros per metric ton. Last month, the U.S. Commodity Futures Trading Commission proposed guidance for companies seeking to list carbon credit derivatives for trading. But unlike, say, oil, carbon allowances don't inherently possess an economic value. They are a political creation that lets companies and countries and now celebrities virtue signal. If a manufacturer wants to claim it is reducing emissions, it can buy a credit rather than use less gas or coal power. Instead of flying commercial, Taylor Swift can buy credits to offset trips on her $40 million private aircraft. $40 million. Carbon offsets don't significantly reduce emissions, but they do promote the illusion that a net zero world is possible. <laughs> I love this, man. I really do. What was the old saying? What was it P.T. Barnum said there's a sucker born every minute? Was that him who said that? <laughs> I think so. I think he said that. There's a sucker born every minute. We're going to get to net zero. Really? Yes. How? Well, when you fly on a private jet, you give me money called the carbon offset. I'm going to buy things with that 
And that's going to equal it out so it's a net zero uh, emission. How does that work? I don't know. Just give me the money. It's, you look good. You tell your friends, I'm, I'm net zero. I'm net zero. That's all you have to say. You don't worry about it. Don't, the pesky details. Green businesses in developing countries can generate credits for projects that um, reduce CO2 emissions, theoretically. They can sell their credits to companies and countries that need to reduce their emissions to meet their climate goals. Third parties audit and validate these credits, though the market is fragmented and largely unregulated. Wall Street banks also buy and underwrite these credits as well as facilitate their trading. J.P. Morgan Chase last year agreed to invest more than $200 million to buy credits from businesses working on removing CO2 from the atmosphere. There's even more money to be made from carbon offsets to preserve trees, which might not be chopped down anyway. I love this. This is my favorite part of this. There's a, there's a timber company, okay, called Weyerhaeuser. Last month, they boasted it had struck a deal to sell nearly 32,000 carbon credits at a price of $29 a credit. Credits generated from not logging can be even more profitable than timber sales. So this is what you can do. You, and this is no, I'm not joking about this. You go like this. You go, yeah, yeah, Miss Swift, uh, how much uh, CO2 are you spewing on that uh, private jet of yours? Uh, what is it, like 40 trillion tons or whatever? Here's what we're going to do. We're not going to cut down those trees over there in the Adirondacks. Really? Yeah. So that now you're net zero. You don't even have to plant the trees. You just say you're not going to cut them down. I love I, that. Is the be, that is the best scam ever? Forget having to plant trees. That's pesky. I mean, they don't really do it. They fake it. But that's even a whole other thing. This one, you just turn around and go. I tell you what. See that forest over there? Yeah, we were going to log it, but uh, I called my brother and uh, I gave him your carbon offset money. And so now he's not going to cut down those trees. So you're good. You're net zero. Fly away, Miss Swift. Fly away. And you and Travis can have your net zero house because you know that house is going to be net zero, right? Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift's future house together, which is going to be where? Upper Darby? Is that right? Yeah, I'm sure. (laughs) Uh, There's even more money to be made from this. It's great. For example, there's a country called Guyana. They are generating millions of carbon offsets for preserving rainforest that is unlikely to be cleared anyway because it lacks rich soil for agricultural production. The South American country in 2022 sold 37.5 million carbon offsets to the Hess Corporation for at least 750 million. And it's now trying to sell credits to countries seeking to meet their Paris climate pledges. So they turn around and they go, all right. See this rainforest that we were not going to cut down anyway? (laughs) We won't cut it down if you pay us money to not cut it down, which we weren't going to do anyway. And then all the people can virtue signal and say, we're net zero. This is the best. I'm telling you, the mafia came up with this. They had to. They had to have come up with this. Michael, I don't have your brain for big deals, but uh, I mean, this is brilliant. Brilliant. Taylor Swift is a brilliant entertainer and businesswoman, and her private jet flights are nothing to feel guilty about. She might take her own advice and shake off the climate criticism without the offset illusions. But of course, she won't because she wants the virtue signal. And that's the thing. And that's what they do. It's about virtue signaling so that they can say net zero. And it's brilliant. 
And it is so it makes me so happy that these people have thought of this. 855-839-1210 on Twitter at Rich Zioli. And speaking of um, virtue signaling hypocrites, here's John Kerry's daughter. Speaking at the World Economic Forum's annual Davos Summit, John Kerry's daughter, Vanessa, attempted to paint the climate crisis as a health crisis. Going on to express concern that the U.N. Agenda 2030 Sustainable Development Goals are losing progress. Cut 12. Urgent, actually, than the intersection of climate change and health. And I apologize that my back is to some folks. Um, the climate crisis is a health crisis, fundamentally. And that actually means it is a crisis, therefore, also of our stability, our security, our economic growth, and our fundamental future as a globe. When we think about it, health is fundamental to everything that we are trying to do. The country, like Zambia, is now shutting down its schools because of a cholera outbreak that is from increased rainfall. In, mal- in malaria is spreading in areas where it's been eradicated or removed in many of these countries. We are losing progress against our sustainable development goals. We have put billions of dollars towards those goals, and we're truly losing progress. We're now about to see the statistics of the deaths that we're seeing by 2050 is more than double what the statistics used to be. This is not a future problem, though. We always talk in future numbers. This is a problem happening here and now today. 2023 was an apocalyptic year in terms of extreme weather events and what we've seen happen. That is about to get worse. We are on a target now for 2.4 degrees Celsius. Optimistically, if we come out of COP and we hold it, we could stay a little bit lower. But we're really at a a crisis, and it's going to come down to two things. We have to phase out fossil fuels because this is a crisis of burning fossil fuels, and we have to mobilize more money, not only to the mitigation, but to the adaptation and the resilience so that we can offset what is happening and protect communities. Got it. So how did she get there? (laughs) She probably flew on a private jet, but then she bought carbon offsets. So it's a net zero thing. Got it? Good. Uh, 855-839-1210 on Twitter at Rich Zioli. Uh, There's breaking news regarding the budget that just happened in D.C. So apparently now the um, a deal has been struck to keep the government open. Let me share with you what the House Freedom Caucus has said regarding this. It just came out today. Today, the House Freedom Caucus released the following official position urging Republicans to uphold commitment to end inflationary spending and secure the border. All conservatives should oppose the Johnson Schumer continuing resolution. Today, the House Freedom Caucus released the following official position. They oppose strongly the short-term continuing resolution extending government funding to March to facilitate the passage of the Johnson-Schumer Agreements appropriation bills. Americans did not give Republicans a majority in the House to continue Nancy Pelosi's inflationary spending and Joe Biden's failed policies. Unfortunately, that's precisely what has been proposed in order to buy time. Incredibly, to pass full-year appropriations that increase Pelosi's spending level and likely preserve Biden's policies. This is not what we promised the American people. Instead, Speaker Mike Johnson should walk away from this agreement with Senator Majority Leader Chuck Schumer and pass an appropriations package that meaningfully reduces spending year over year and secures our southern border. That is what winning looks like. What's that? Oh, okay. I thought you were going to quote, that's what winning looks like. 
from Rocky? No. I assume that's what you were going to do. No, it's not. What that's I what winning about. looks like. <laughs> from was that Rocky Five? Uh, I don't know off the top. Oh, of my head. come on! That speech that Sylvester Stallone gives in that is the best. That come on, they played at the Phillies games. That's what winning looks like. Pull it up. Come on, come on. As I do the big story brought to you by Dr. Mike Venaria. VenariaDental.com. The big story of the day today is that I was on Fox News this morning with Dana Perino on America's Newsroom. And that's why I'm wearing a jacket today. It's also that's why 12. I'm in studio. What's that? Sorry, just saying that's 12 in case anyone's keeping count at home. For the Zioli Show drinking game home edition. Uh, so Dr. Mike Venaria, my, everyone saw my smile today on Fox News because Dr. Mike Venaria is my dentist. And thanks, Doc, for sponsoring this. Yeah, this is a speech in Rocky. I love this. Because you know what? They use that in the House Freedom Caucus. That's what winning looks like. Go ahead. You ain't going to believe this. I love this speech. Well, you used to fit right here. I'd hold you up to say to your mother, this kid's going to be the best kid in the world. This kid's going to be somebody better than anybody ever knew. And you grew up good and wonderful. It was great just watching. Every day was like a privilege. Then the time come for you to be your own man and take on the world, and you did. But somewhere along the line, you changed. You stopped being you. You let people stick a finger in your face and tell you you're no good. And when things got hard, you started looking for something to blame, like a big shadow. Let me tell you something you already know. The world ain't all sunshine and rainbows. It's a very mean and nasty place, and I don't care how tough you are, it will beat you to your knees and keep you there permanently if you let it. You, me, or nobody is going to hit as hard as life. But it ain't about how hard you hit. It's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. How much you can take and keep moving forward. That's how winning is done. Now, That's how winning is done. All right, so I didn't have it exactly right, but I paraphrased. <laughs> you were close. I was close. That's how winning is done. Come on, I had chills. Chills listening to that. <laughs> that is such a great monologue by Sylvester Stallone. Rocky Best Bal- he's ever given. Rocky Balboa, by the way. Oh, so that's Rocky Balboa. Okay. Yeah. Rocky Five, though, is great because they have a street fight in Kensington. You remember that? <laughs> that's the worst movie I've ever it's seen. Aw- it's awful, but but the, <laughs> street, but the street fight at the end in Kensington is the best part of that movie. You remember that? Yeah, he punches the Don King guy. Punches the Don King guy in the face. He goes, I got nothing. Meg goes, So sue me, I got nothing. Remember that? And then uh, they have a street fight in Kensington. Who's the guy that he fights in that? Tommy Gunn. Tommy Gunn. And that's when Rocky (laughs) officially jumped the shark, jumped the open air drug markets of Kensington, which, by the way, I talked about this morning on Fox News. Um, No joke, I did. I talked about the open air drug markets in Kensington. But um, so they have a street fight there under the L. Remember that? Yes. And uh, that movie is awful. And then they said, we got to just. And then Rocky Balboa came out, which was great. (laughs) And so we all pretend everybody pretends like Rocky five doesn't count. I believe they say it's not canon, as it's called. It doesn't follow the official line. Everybody pretends it just doesn't exist. Like Terminator three, which is actually a great movie, is not canon. It doesn't follow the storyline. They're allowed to do that sometimes. Like, if we have a bad show, we just like, pretend like it never happened, you know? <laughs> but uh, um, but Rocky V was terrible. And the and then Rocky Balboa was very heartwarming. Remember, Adrian had died. He had, he had the restaurant in South Philly, which is still, which is, it's an actual restaurant, you know? You can go eat there. Do you like 
Oh, sorry, I was gonna say, did you like the Creed movies? I thought they were very good. I always saw the first one. I thought it was I thought it was really good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they're they're all excellent. I, I I think there's three of them now. Yeah, there there are three Creeds, and I'm sure we'll get another Rocky at any moment now. <laughs> it's interesting because like every single boxer that has a role in those films ends up stinking as soon as they appear in the film. Is that what happens? Yeah, because uh, Tommy Gunn was played by Tommy Morrison, and I don't think he ended up doing anything as a heavyweight. And then in Rocky Balboa, it was Antonio Tarver, if I remember correctly, and his career basically went right down the toilet after that film came out. So Adrian's Restaurant was the name of the restaurant in the movie. It's the Victor Cafe uh, in South Philly. Is the actual restaurant that they used for that movie. Why'd they kill her off in the film? Did she just not want to participate in it? I mean, prob- I, I don't know. She's a Coppola, you know. It's a uh, Francis Ford Coppola's sister, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, Terry, uh, what's her name? Terry, oh gosh. Talia Shire. Talia Shiver, right? Shire. Shire. I can't even think of anything else she's in. Other than The Godfather, Well, she's obviously. in The Godfather movies. Yeah. But that's it, right? Yeah. Uh, she was in Rocky. She's in the Godfather movies. I got an IMDb here. But anyway, that's how winning is done. That's how winning is done. Well, that's what the conservatives are saying today. I love their, I mean, they're channeling Rocky for this. That is what winning looks like is what they said. Speaker Mike Johnson should walk away from his agreement with Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer and pass an appropriations package that meaningfully reduces spending year over year and secures our southern border that is what winning looks like seven months ago over the opposition of many conservatives congress raised the debt limit by roughly four trillion dollars january 2025 and in exchange established modest spending caps the recent johnson schumer top line agreement uses those side deals to spend past the caps by a whopping 69 billion dollars for an unprecedented total of $1.659 trillion without securing a single commitment on Republican policy priorities. This doesn't preserve the status quo. It makes it worse. That was said by the House Freedom Caucus just moments ago after this spending deal was announced. And this is the problem, right? Because um, <clears throat> we wind up losing and they get everything that they want. Here's Speaker Mike Johnson, for example. Talking about Ukraine, which every Republican primary voter at this point has had it with this. Uh, Cut number six. If Ukraine is really the positively absolutely has to be a priority, which I'm certainly not for, but if, if, if the desperate to get money to Ukraine, again, the American people aren't for that. I think it's only 41% in our Fox voter analysis poll in, U, in, in Iowa say they want to give more money to, to Ukraine. But if you guys all want to do that, do a Ukraine bill standalone. Why tie that to our border? Well, Ukraine is leveraged to get border, but to your point, they may indeed be broken up. We'll see how it all develops. Again, the devil's going to be in the details on all these, these uh, proposals, but what's happening in Ukraine is, is not acceptable. The status quo is not acceptable. We've sent billions of dollars over there without any clear articulation of the strategy, and I've been telling the White House this as well. What is the strategy? What's the end game? How do we have accountability but why for the we precious give dollars money, of taxpayers? Yeah, that's why the give them more question. money? They're, they've fail, talk about failing. That's not failing upward. They're just failing. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you the reason why. <clears throat> Laura, the reason why is because there are a lot of Republicans who support giving money to Ukraine, uh, people like Mitch McConnell, and this is their cover 
to do it. This is their cover, and they're not going to get anything significant done. Senator J.D. Vance of Ohio is exactly right on this point. When he said this to Laura Ingram last night, he's 100% correct. This is all a scam. Cut number eight. Well, I think the speaker, first of all, is right that we haven't seen the details of the actual proposal. They released them on Friday night, then they're voted on on Monday night. Exactly. (laughs) We know what's going to be in this thing, and we know that it will lack two critical provisions. First of all, does nothing on parole, Laura. Barack Obama paroled 5,000 illegal aliens a year. Joe Biden is paroling close to a million per year. The proposal does nothing on parole. Second, it really does nothing on fixing the asylum process in our country. So you combine these two things, you're not actually addressing the border crisis. And importantly, and you saw Speaker Johnson address this, and I appreciate him for doing so, this is fundamentally about getting money for Ukraine. This is a border fig leaf so that we can send another $61 billion for Ukraine. And I just think it's such a catastrophic abdication of leadership for Republicans at the height of a significant border crisis, when the American people are with us on the need to secure the border, to pretend that we're securing the border with the one hand so we can well, give $61 billion to Zelensky with the other. It's, it's atrocious. It's- exactly right, Senator. Exactly right. All right, 855-839-1210. Listen, if you want to look and feel great in 2024, I recommend you book an appointment with my friend and my dentist, Dr. Mike Venaria at Venaria Dental. He's the best. See, you thought I was probably going to tell you about a health club or drink more water or something like that. No, nothing makes you look and feel better about your appearance than having that million-dollar smile. I've been telling you about Dr. Mike Venaria for years. My entire family goes to Dr. Venaria. It's the level of care and commitment to dental excellence that Dr. Mike and his staff delivers to every patient is unmatched. He's been delivering results that surpass expectations, and that has made him a top dentist in New Jersey for 10 years consecutive years he has one of the most respected reputations among his peers as a master of dental implants so if you've been on the fence about getting that dental procedure done reach out to dr mike today you have a choice a clear choice for you and your family give dr venaria a call i promise you won't be disappointed with two locations to serve you in cinnamonson and woodbury schedule your free implant consultation today for your perfect smile call 856-786-2020 856-786-2020 or visit VenariaDental.com. V-A-N-A-R-I-A, VenariaDental.com. Remember, he's my dentist. He's my friend and he is the master of dental implants. Dr. Mike Venaria, VenariaDental.com. The Zioli Show on your schedule from Talk Radio 1210 WPHT in the free Odyssey app. <laughs> so, uh, Robert Nicolo on Twitter said, um, <laughs> said, Rich, great job on Fox News, but please stop mentioning it on the radio. I'm driving, and when I get home, I have to do seven shots. You're killing me. Love the show. Uh, it's up to like 15 shots now. That's 13. That's 13 shots. Yeah. I'm sorry. I apologize about that. I just tweeted out the actual link to the segment. That's going to count as 14. <laughs> Drink. Drink and Tony Bruno, who I love, I love, I love me some Tony Bruno. Uh, he's funny. He said, uh, I, "Like, where is it now? I can't find it." I just had the tweet. Where is it? He said, um, "I will tell my grandkids that I never met, but always loved me some Riccioli." But I feel like Tony Bruno and I have met, or at least if not, he's my spirit animal for sure, no <laughs> question about it. But you know, he's now the uh, property of Kalen Company, so. I, I I can't have him. Yeah, we're not. He's not allowed to be on the show. No, he's, he's 
the Bruno band. It's not imposed by us. No, we'd get yelled at. Love to have Tony Bruno on the show. He's excellent. I love Tony Bruno. Yeah. I think he's fantastic. He's one of the, he's one of the best uh, personalities out there. He's one of those guys that can talk about anything. So uh, there is nothing you can talk to me about that I don't already know. That's Tony Bruno right there. <laughs> he sounds like Goldfinger. It does sound a lot like that's Goldfinger, weird, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Uh, so at the WEF in Davos, where all of the uh, evil Bond villains gathered to tell us how to live our life. Kevin Roberts, the um, the the head of the Heritage Foundation. You know, we I, I, we're very fond of the Heritage Foundation. This show in particular, I think we do a, an excellent job. Matt DeSantis does a great job of reaching out to them for experts. And every time we have one of their experts on, I'm always blown away by how knowledgeable these people are. Uh, we had we had two on yesterday, and of course our buddy Dr. Victoria Coates. So I, I think the Heritage Foundation does great work. They really do. E.J. Antoni is also Heritage. E.J. Antoni, yes, of course. He's a Heritage Foundation economist. Uh, and they have the roadmap to, I think, smash the administrative state with their Vision 2025 plan that they're looking to do for the transition. So when the president of uh, the World Economic Forum, I'm sorry, the president of the Heritage Foundation went to the WEF, the World Economic Forum, and uh, gave them some truth uh, take a listen. Or not. Was that not enough of a, uh, sorry, of a lead yeah, into what I was going to go to? The whole computer just froze up. Hang on. Uh, that's okay. Oh. My, uh, my lawyer, Tom Skopinich, the official uh, lawyer of the Zioli Show, said uh, he, he liked the fact that on Fox News this morning, I corrected Dana Perino and said, please stop calling them homeless. It's the unhoused. That's 15 i guess now uh, by the way it looks like it's gonna work if you want to go to the cut <laughs> and then he wants to know how am i that tan in the winter because of the friggin' makeup that's why i think every time you t- you should you say that you said that joke i think everyone should have to finish their drink <laughs> it's not a bad idea actually can we put that on instagram can we put the uh the video of that on instagram yeah just send it to me all right i'll send it to you right now um, all right, you, did the system crash, Santos? Is that what you're telling me right it now? It looks like it's working now. Let's see. It's laughable there that you would, or anyone would describe Davos as protecting liberal democracy. It's equally, Standing up for it. It's, it's, it's equally laughable to use the word dictatorship at Davos and, and aim that at President Trump. In fact, I think that's absurd. But I'm going to step aside from that constructive criticism and instead answer your question. Yep. And, and I'm going to be substantive here. President Trump, if he's the next president, for that matter, I think whoever the next conservative president is going to take on the power of the elites, which I mentioned earlier. But the the thing that I want to drive home here, the very reason that I'm here at Davos, is to explain to many people in this room and who are watching, with all due respect, nothing personal, but that you're part of the problem. Political elites tell the average people on three or four or five issues that the reality is X, when in fact reality is Y. Take immigration. Elites tell us that open borders and even illegal immigration are okay. The average person tells us in the United States that both rob them of the American way of life. They're right. President Trump will take that on on behalf of the average American. Elites also tell us that public safety isn't a problem in big American cities. Just travel to New York or Washington or Dallas, Texas. The average person will tell you that the lack of public safety damages not just the American way of life, but their life. President Trump will take that on. Thirdly, I guess the favorite at the World Economic Forum is climate change. 
Elites tell us that we, we have this existential crisis with so-called climate change, so much so that climate alarmism is probably the greatest cause for mental health crisis in the world. The solutions, the average person know, based on climate change, are far worse and more harmful and cost more human lives, especially in Europe during the time that you need heating, than do the problem and the problems themselves. Fourth, two more here, Robin. The fourth, China. The number one adversary, not just to the United States, but to free people on planet Earth. Not only do we at, at Davos not say that, we give the Chinese Communist Party a platform. Count on President Trump ending that nonsense. And fifth, as we sit here, another supranational organization, the World Health Organization, is discussing foisting gender ideology upon the global south. These are practices that are under review, if not being rejected, by countries in Northern Europe. The new president, especially if it's President Trump, will, as you like to say, trust the science. He will understand the basic biological reality of manhood and womanhood. And do you know why? Not because of retribution, not because he's a dictator, but because he has the power of the American people behind him. And it's connected to Senator Portman's excellent point that in addition to needing a vigorous executive, we look forward to having the popular will inform both the House and Senate in 2025 to pass laws on all of those issues and many others. Ultimately, Robin, I think President Trump, if in fact he wins a second term, is going to be inspired by the wise words of Javier Millet, who said that he was in power not to guide sheep, but to awaken lions. It's an excellent point. I think everything you said there was spot on 100%. So let's do that. Let's play the next clip then, which is uh, the Argentinian president, Javier Mele, in Davos. He said a lot of things. His speech was riveting. It was fantastic. But this particular point here about collectivist experiments, never the solution to the problems that affect the citizens of the world. This is something that I tell my friends all the time. Not everything has a... Not every problem has a solution. That's number one. Not every problem has a solution. But number two is that if you, if you believe that every single problem has a solution, the government will be happy to provide that quote-unquote solution to you. I'll give you a great example of this, right? So with climate change right now, they are sitting there at Davos, the, the, most, the, the richest, most elite people in the world are actually discussing how developing nations in the world should not be able to use natural gas. And that they have an obligation to ensure that these developing nations don't have the ability to use natural gas and oil to bring their quality of life up to the quality of life that they're all enjoying in Davos. And the reason for that is because they've decided that the problem is climate change. So the solution is to then go after natural gas and oil. Of course, every solution, and I'm using air quotes for that, has an unintended consequence. In the case, of course, of telling developing nations you can't use natural gas and oil, that means that they can't refrigerate their food. They can't have life-saving um, medicines. They, they can't, they, they, there's lots of things, the quality of life they, that we have, they can't have. So you see, every time the government comes along with an experiment, as an idea to say this is a solution to the problem, Whatever that problem du jour is, it's a pandemic, uh, 
climate change. It's, um, you know, red dye number six, whatever it is, processed foods, whatever, whatever it is. Whenever the government comes along and says we have the solution for it, run. Here's President Javier Mele. Take a listen. Good afternoon. Thank you very much. Today, I'm here to tell you that the Western world is in danger. And it is endangered because those who are supposed to have to defend the values of the West are co-opted by a vision of the world that inexorably leads to socialism and thereby to poverty. Unfortunately, in recent decades, motivated by some well-meaning individuals willing to help others and others motivated by the wish to belong to a privileged caste, the main leaders of the Western world have abandoned the model of freedom for different versions of what we call collectivism. We're here to tell you that collectivist experiments are never the solution to the problems that afflict the citizens of the world. Rather, they are the root cause. Do believe me, no one better place than us, Argentines, to testify to these two points. That's exactly correct. Collectivist experiments are never the solution to the problems that affect the citizens of the world. Rather, they are the root cause. Collectivist experiments, really what he's talking about, Marxism, whatever you want to talk about, but in really in the, in the immediate it's this idea that the, 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 this cabal of Bond villains, they decide what science is. And, you know, the point that, that Kevin Roberts made from the Heritage Foundation, which is an excellent point, is, listen, you want to talk about science? Fine. Then, it, then say that boys are boys and girls are girls. Men have, men have penises and women's, women don't. And then say that. And, be, and don't be afraid of that point because that's actually science. When you start lying to us about science, this is part of the reason why we can't trust you anymore. Because you openly lie about science. You openly lie about the truth. And at the very same time, we're supposed to turn all this over to these people. So here is the World Health Director General, the WHO General, WHO, the World Health Organization, that's WHO, Director General Tedros Adnam Gerabergerisaris. I may not be pronouncing that correctly. I may not have nailed that pronunciation. (laughs) It's possible I might have gotten that wrong. Uh, At the WEF today in Switzerland calling for the world to adopt the pandemic agreement to deal with disease X. And what is disease X, you ask? It's whatever they decide it to be. Cut number 11. In order to have better prepared and to address the disease X is the pandemic agreement. Mm-hmm. The pandemic agreement can bring all the experience, all the challenges that we have faced, and all the solutions into one. And that agreement can help us to prepare for the future in in a better way. Because this is about a common enemy. And without a shared response, starting from the preparedness, you know, we will face the same problem as as, as COVID. And deadline for the pandemic agreement is May 2024. And member states are negotiating. This is between countries. Um, And I hope they will deliver uh, this pandemic agreement by that time, by on the deadline, because if this generation cannot do it, we're the lived community, we have the first-hand experience, I don't think in coming generation, the next generation will do it. So for our children and grandchildren's sake, I think we have to 
convert all the lessons we have learned into this pandemic and prepare the world for, for, for the future because this is a common global interest and national interest, very narrow national interest should not come into, into the way. Of course, national interest is natural, but it's the narrow national interest that could be difficult and affecting the negotiations even as, 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 as we speak. Let me explain to you so, what that means. Put away your national sovereignty and you get on board with the global cabal of elites who will decide how to run the show for you if disease X ever happens. Put away your national interests, your national sovereignty, your pesky reasons for wanting individual liberty and all those things and let us decide and let us run the show because we're in charge. And there's more on this, by the way. In our fourth and final hour, I get a lot more. Uh, But some breaking news. Uh, Former President Trump urges the Supreme Court to put a swift and decisive end to the 14th Amendment challenges before the court. Also, two, the budget battle. Now Republicans appear to have surrendered once again. We'll talk about that as well. But listen, this new year, it's time to finally lose that weight, the safe and natural way with NJ Diet. Their results are nearly twice as effective as weight loss injections and without any of those nasty side effects. With NJ Diet, you will lose 20 to 40 plus pounds in only 40 days, contractually guaranteed. NJ Diet uses your hair and saliva along with bioenergetic scans to personalize natural solutions and supplements that gets your body into the fat burning zone. Then NJ Diet uses your DNA info to help you keep the weight off. Don't take shots the rest of your life. Lose a contractually guaranteed 20 to 40 plus pounds in only 40 days. Naturally, quickly, and safely with NJ Diet. No hormones, no prepackaged foods, no shots. You even get the doctor's personal email and phone number. Just call 855-5-NJ-DIET, 855-5-NJ-DIET, or schedule your consult today at njdiet.com. That's njdiet.com. Rich Zioli, weekday afternoons, 3 to 7, Talk Radio 1210, WPHT, and on the free Odyssey app. WPHT, WPHT, HD, WOGL, HD3, Philadelphia, from the Cherry Hill Volvo Studios, where relationships matter. Always live on the free Odyssey app. The revolution will be broadcast. This is the next generation of talk. Now, on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT, Rich Zioli. So have Republicans surrendered again? It certainly seems that way. And uh, Donald Trump tells the Supreme Court and this 14th Amendment nonsense right away. Welcome back to the show. Glad you're here today. 855-839-1210. On Twitter, at Rich Zioli. Thanks for being here for our fourth and final hour. Uh, Fannie Wills, Willis, the uh, Georgia uh, prosecutor, a Georgia judge has now ordered a hearing on accusation of her misconduct. So this is good. Uh, this story that came out today, the order from a judge overseeing the election interference case against former President Donald Trump in Georgia is scheduled a hearing for February 15th to hear evidence regarding accusations that Fulton County District Attorney Fannie Willis and her lead prosecutor engaged in an improper relationship and mishandled public money. Fulton County Superior Court Judge Scott McAfee also wrote in his order that Willis must respond to the accusations in writing by February 2nd. 
Willis has declined to directly address the explosive accusations that first came to light last week in a filing from one of Trump's co-defendants, former campaign aide Mike Roman. The filing did not include evidence to substantiate the claims. McAfee's order, which was obtained and first supported by The Washington Post, could force Willis to address the allegations in televised court proceedings, a development that could at least be embarrassing for the district attorney and at worst derail the investigation completely. The district attorney separately signaled Thursday she plans to fight the efforts to disqualify her from the case, filing a motion to block a subpoena that could force her to testify in the contentious divorce case of her lead prosecutor, Nathan Wade. Roman's filing called for the district attorney Willis and Wade to be disqualified and for the entire case to be dismissed. Roman, Trump, and 13 others are accused of criminally conspiring to overturn Trump's 2020 election loss in Georgia. I'm reading this, of course, in the Washington Post. Trump is the subject of three other criminal investigations, blah, blah, blah. A spokesman for Willis on Thursday repeated the only statement the office has issued on the allegation so far that we will respond in court. On Sunday, Willis broke her silence on the subject, delivering a fiery speech before the congregation of a historic black church in Atlanta. She did not deny or directly address the most salacious allegations against her. And Wade, uh, though she did describe herself as a flawed and imperfect public servant and referenced the loneliness of the position. She said, God, why would you send this imperfect and very flawed person up to that position? God, you did not tell me my home would be swept multiple times for bombs or that most days and nights I would spend them in isolation because that was the safest place to be. You forgot to mention, Lord, that I would have to abandon my home. You forgot to mention the loneliness of this position. And you certainly didn't tell me about the stress. Yet, Willis pushed back on claims she had done anything improper in hiring Wade, a private attorney, to work as a special prosecutor on the Trump case, and suggested race had played a role in the criticism of her, a black woman, and the first female district attorney in Fulton County, and Wade, a black man. I appointed three special counsel, which is my right to do, paid them all the same hourly, hour, hourly rate. They only attack one, she said. Willis's office has paid Wade's law firm more than $650,000 over the last two years. The Washington Post has requested, but not yet received, copies of contracts for other outside attorneys on the case as well as copies of their expenses filed with the district attorney's office. However, Fulton County records show that Wade's law firm has been paid more than law firms associated with the other two attorneys. Hmm. In a January 8th motion, Mike Roman claimed that Wade's employment was improper and unethical because of an ongoing personal relationship with Willis that predated Wade's hiring. The filing claimed that Willis had benefited personally from Wade's income from the case, alleging she had joined him on multiple cruises and other trips unrelated to work that Wade had paid for. Wade and Willis, Roman's filing claimed, were profiting, profiting significantly from this prosecution at the expense of the taxpayers. The filing provided no proof to back up these claims, the Washington Post says. Ashley Merchant, a prominent Cobb County defense attorney who represents Mike Roman, 
told the Post that the claims were based on sources that she did not name, as well as records she had, she said, had been disclosed as part of Wade's ongoing divorce proceedings. Quote, we're going to begin to serve subpoenas for documents and witnesses just in case, because we have not heard from the DA's office yet as to whether or not they are going to dispute the allegations raised in our motion. After Ms. Willis's speech on Sunday, it appears they are not disputing the allegations, but instead focusing on other issues. If that is the case, we will shift our focus to those issues. But we will not know until the state actually responds in writing. Now, the judge's order came as other defense attorneys waited impatiently for clues as to what evidence Mike Roman and Merchant possess. Steve Sadow, an Atlanta-based criminal defense lawyer who represents Trump in the Georgia case, asked the judge in court last week if he and other lawyers could be given some time to decide whether to sign on to the pleading, given that the evidence was still unknown. The judge appears to be trying to expedite that process by ordering the hearing, a hearing that Willis and her team undoubtedly had wanted to avoid. Now, why would you want to avoid that if the claims are not true, out of curiosity? You're not stooping the guy. What do you care? What, what, I mean, have the hearing and have at it and get it over with, right? Oh, unless you're stooping the guy, right? Uh, it's not clear if Willis will argue in her response to limit the topics that can be addressed at the hearing or if that is a request that the judge would even consider. Trump is sure to continue attacking Willis and Wade over the controversy, as he has done repeatedly since it came to light. He has called all the prosecutions politically motivated witch hunts, which, of course, they are. Willis tapped uh, Wade to lead the Trump case in November 2021 at a time when he had little experience prosecuting criminal cases. He previously served as a municipal judge in the Atlanta area where he mostly dealt with traffic tickets and other misdemeanors. He also runs a private practice focused largely on family law, contract disputes and criminal defense. So, you know, you got to wonder then why pick that guy? Why pick that guy to go after the former president of the United States of America, who you're accusing, as no state has ever done before, of trying to overturn the election results? And you're trying to criminally convict the former president and Republican frontrunner for the nomination. Why would you pick that guy? Is it because you have a little thing with him? Hmm? He doesn't seem very qualified to me. He doesn't seem. Very qualified. In other words, if 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 you had a, a parking ticket, you would probably hire Wade to help out because that's what most of his experience has been. Or, you know, a contract dispute or, you know, maybe something like that, like if they get a custody battle or something like that. But when you're trying to, to prosecute the former president of the United States of America on a novel legal theory, I should add, you're hiring that guy. Guy who's, as, as, as the far right-wing Washington Post put it, he had little experience prosecuting criminal cases. He previously served as a municipal judge where he mostly dealt with traffic tickets and other misdemeanors. That's the guy you hire to go after the former president of the United States of America as you try to put him behind bars? Really? Or, I mean, I mean, he's, is it, could it be for other reasons? Willis's decision to hire Wade is now facing enormous scrutiny. The accusations, if true, could present a conflict of interest 
or could amount to fraud. If Willis or Wade recuse themselves from the case, it's unclear if someone else within the district attorney's office would be permitted to lead it. If one or both are removed, the entire district attorney's office probably would be disqualified. <laughs> wow. How about that? When a judge barred Willis's office from investigating Georgia Lieutenant Governor Burt Jones for his role in Trump's alternate elector scheme in 2020 because Willis hosted a fundraiser for Jones's eventual Democratic opponent, it fell to the prosecuting attorney's counsel of Georgia to find a new prosecutor. So far, no one has been assigned the case. Perhaps an indication of what could happen to the Trump case in similar circumstances. The February 15th hearing is slated to occur after a scheduled January 31st hearing in Cobb County Superior Court over a motion to unseal records in Wade's divorce case. The uh, Roman and Merchant, the other guys, the guys who were uh, filing this, <clears throat> part of the, their defendants here, They've said that they believe records in that case will substantiate the allegations of wrongdoing by Willis and Wade. A coalition of media organizations, including the far right wing Washington Post, has also filed a motion to unseal the divorce record. Wow. I'll tell you something. Let me quote Shakespeare for a moment, if I can. Hell hath no fury like a woman scorned. Am I right? Wade's estranged wife, Jocelyn Mayfield Wade, subpoenaed records from Fulton County and the Fulton County District Attorney's Office last month, accusing Wade of failing to turn over discovery related to his income from his role as a special prosecutor. In other words, the guy's not qualified to do any of this stuff. He's making a lot of money doing it. And he's not sharing with his ex. Or a strange wife, since I don't know if the divorce is final or not. I would imagine it is. <clears throat> on January 8th, hours before Roman filed his motion, Wade's wife served a subpoena on Willis for a scheduled deposition on January 23rd. Jocelyn Mayfield Wade's attorneys, so perhaps the marriage is not fully <clears throat> divorced yet. Jocelyn Mayfield Wade's attorneys has declined to comment on why Willis was subpoenaed or what she may be asked. I think question number one is, were you stripping my husband when you were giving him all his money? Because I'd like to get some of that money. I, I, I mean, I would think. On Thursday, Willis sought to quash that subpoena, accusing Jocelyn Mayfield Wade of using the divorce case as a vehicle to harass her and of colluding with others to disrupt the racketeering case against Trump and his allies. Yeah, I'm sure that that's exactly what's motivating Wade's ex-wife, right? I'm sure that's exactly it. The subpoena for the deposition of District Attorney Willis is being sought in an attempt to harass and damage her professional reputation. On further information and belief, defendant Jocelyn Wade has conspired with interested parties in the criminal election interference case to use the civil discovery process to annoy, embarrass and oppress District Attorney Willis. So I guess she's racist, too. I guess. Willis also claimed the subpoena was improper because it is unlimited in scope and does not specify what information is being sought. 
Willis cannot provide unique personal knowledge of any matter that is relevant to defendant Wade's divorce because the parties agree that the marriage is irretrievably broken and the concept for fault is not at issue. There is no information that District Attorney Willis could provide that might prove relevant to granting or denying the divorce. Ah, but this is where I have to wonder if it's not necessarily about that. It's more about making sure that the future ex-wife gets her fair share. And if the guy that she was stripping uh, is getting $650,000 and he has no right to be prosecuting this because he has no experience whatsoever and he's not documenting that income, I'm no attorney, but my friends who are divorce attorneys would probably tell me that that's a problem because you have to disclose all that stuff during the course of your divorce proceedings. So if she's having a relationship with him and she's directing taxpayer funds to him, because that's what we're talking about, and he's not disclosing that income or hiding the source of that income because it might be a major conflict of interest with the district attorney's office and he wants to hide it because it would put the district attorney in a bad light and then thus have both of them canceled from the case. You see how this becomes a very tangled web. To quote Shakespeare again, oh, what a tangled web we weave when we practice to deceive. Am I right? We filed Mr. Roman's motion on the day it was due, January 8th. We believe her filing in Cobb County is just another attempt to avoid having to directly answer the important questions that Mr. Roman has raised. She appears to be doing everything she can to avoid having to account for inconvenient and difficult facts. If the district attorney is deposed, it probably would be transcribed and videotaped. Records that could be made public if requests to unseal Wade's divorce case are granted, and that could possibly be introduced as evidence in the February 15th hearing in Fulton County, Georgia. <laughs> Man, I'll tell you what. Karma's a B, am I right? Here's uh, Jesse Waters last night on, uh, <laughs> on Fox News, of which I was on Fox News today. For the record. But uh, here's Jesse Waters last night on Fox News. Cut number 10. Fannie Willis's lover boy, Nathan Wade, might be the hardest working lawyer in America. Nathan allegedly billed taxpayers for 24 hours of work on the Trump Georgia case in a single day. That means Nathan was working all day and all night on Fannie's case. What would lover boy be working on past midnight? He wouldn't be billing Fannie. No, he couldn't be. I'm sure he was just burning the midnight oil at the office. Lover boys build nearly 700 grand. Is he making more than the lawyers who aren't sleeping with Fanny? Mm. These are good questions. And the answer to that, Jesse, is yes, he is making more than the lawyers who are not sleeping with Fanny. So it sounds like to me, this is going to be a very, very fun Karma-laden, karma is a B, legal process to watch. We'll all look forward to that happening very, very soon. 855-839-1210 on Twitter, at Rich Zioli. We got a lot more to chat about, as you can imagine. This is the big story of the day, though, brought to you by Dr. Mike Venaria, venariadental.com. He's my man. Get your beautiful smile today, venariadental.com. We'll be right back. The Zioli Show, on your schedule, from Talk Radio 1210 WPHT in the free Odyssey app. It's adorable. <clears throat> uh, 855-839-1210. 
on Twitter at Rich Zioli. February 7th is our big event with Terry Hayes. His book, The Year of the Locust, is awesome. And I'd love for you to join us for that book event. It's our next speaker series event. You know, we don't do these that often. So make sure you come out. And uh, the book is riveting. You'll get a copy of it. He'll sign it. Uh, I'm learning so much about the inner workings of the CIA, uh, what it's like to go into these denied access places, the kind of spies that do it. I mean, it's just, it's a gripping tale. It's fiction, but it reads like nonfiction. I mean, it's just, it's unbelievable. It's so good. Uh, so please join us for that. Just go to 1210WPHG.com and get your ticket. 1210WPHG.com. Do it today and get your ticket. Here is um, CNN's Nia Malika Henderson. Talking about Biden's election strategy, where, you know, Joe Biden right now is losing to Trump in some polls, very close to Trump in some others. But regardless, very, very, the strategy here stinks. And they know the strategy stinks. And even CNN, even far right wing CNN is acknowledging that. Cut number three. I think if you're Biden, you can look at what Chris Christie said. Those comments, that is an ad in and of itself. The idea that uh, this is a battle for the soul of America, something that Joe Biden said uh, back in 2020. So listen, you know, I, I think this argument around democracy, is a demo- it's, a, it's an argument they made recently. It's an argument they made going into 2022. Uh, they do have to figure out a, ma- a way to make it fresher, right? Because it can't just be a noun and a verb in January 6th, right? It's got to be... Uh, <laughs> much broader than that and, and and they're clearly trying to connect it to day-to-day issues it's got to be more than just a noun a verb in january 6th she's exactly right oh little reagan's sick poor kid that means i'm gonna have a fun day tomorrow with snow and a sick kid and i'm sure schools will be closed it's gonna be fun <laughs> and it's friday so maybe i just won't be here uh <laughs> Well, at least it's Friday, so you'll have two days to recover. Yeah, that's true. Although if Reagan's sick, you, yeah, I guess, I guess there's no recovery time. You'll just yeah. be miserable. Ah, oh, gonna be miserable. Ah, oh, gonna be miserable. Reagan will be sick. The kids will be home. It'll be snowing, and so that means I got to go to the store now on the way home. That's I got to pick up a script. <laughs> awesome. At least you were on Fox earlier today. Did I not? Ma- Excuse me, if I failed to mention that, I, I apologize. I was on Fox News earlier today. Yeah, I don't understand why you don't mention it more frequently, because people probably want to know about it. I should have mentioned that I was on America's Newsroom this morning with Dana Perino You're too and my modest. buddy Jennifer Stefano. What's that? You're just too modest. I know, I really should. And I, we just tweeted out the link to my Fox <laughs> News appearance if you'd like to see it. I had to beg Rich to, to tweet it out. See that? And there it is. <laughs> Everyone drinking along is dead. They're all I know. gone. That's uh, 16 times now, I think. Checking on uh, social media, and our buddy Waltzing Matilda said, um, I had no idea you were on Fox News today, Rich. Thanks. Uh, <laughs> I said, I wrote back and said, drink. She said, I would have been on the floor. <laughs> oh, you were on Fox News today? I didn't pick that up from listening to the show this afternoon. Thank you for that. Appreciate it. Um, well, if somebody had just tuned in at like, 620 they wouldn't have known yeah sid wants to know why i'm tan spray tan no i think it's just the the camera that hits me on fox news that way you know what i mean you do look very tan i mean not in person but on tv um well thank you for that (laughs) it was a half compliment i guess um no i'm not i'm not gonna say who uses botox but i it's somebody i work with (laughs) it's henry
going to say who Excuse it is. Excuse me? No, it's somebody I work with. Who uses Botox. <clears throat> I'm just going to stop talking before I get in trouble. <laughs> On a radio show? Yeah. Well, somebody was asking if... See, see, when you work in media, you encounter a lot of people who have to be on camera. And you find that they use Botox quite a bit in the industry. You find this out. You find this out very, very quickly. But you also find out that a lot of them are, are, are organic and, you know what I mean? Like, they're also healthy, like super health nuts. Right. Because they have to be on camera all the time. And when you are on Fox News, you encounter people <laughs> quite a bit who are super healthy and constantly like in your face about everything that they're eating and everything like this. And then it's funny because then they'll do Botox. You know what I mean? And I just, I, I joke with them about this. So <laughs> You actually do look pretty good on this uh, TV you. hit. I, your hair I looks good that. in it too. Uh, I, thank you for saying no, that. you're TV ready today. You see that? No, I know for a fact Dana Perino does not use Botox. I know that for a fact. How do you... <laughs> What? I feel like you just want to weave your friend Dana Perino no, I just, into the conversation. I, I, okay, what the I don't, hell did she have to do with anything? I don't know that for a fact, but I don't think she does. If her face looks too natural. You know what I mean? <laughs> you just wanted to bring up your friend Dana Perino again. <laughs> well, she did tweet me today and say that I was a crowd pleaser, so, you know. <laughs> she said you're a crowd favorite. That's at least the Thank third you, or Dana. fourth time you've mentioned that. <laughs> I appreciate it very much. <laughs> Um, so, you know, I was saying, so the women in media very often do, uh, Botox and the guys in media very often do cocaine. <laughs> it's true. And I'm not mentioning any names, Jimmy Fallon. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just <laughs> totally kidding. So the whole, it's funny too, because you know, the whole thing about the Botox discussion when I was with Fela recently, we were hanging out with people, and when you you know, he's he's in a different level now. I mean, he used to fill in for me, but now he's in the stratosphere, and he's got the Saturday Night Show and everything like that. Um, but we used to talk about this all the time because at Fox, if you go on TV, if you go on Fox News, which I was on today, but I did it from the Philly studio, it, which is a it, it's called Video Link. It's not it's an independent thing, and they you know, but if you go to New York. And you do a you do a hit from Fox News in New York. You cannot get makeup done by one of their makeup artists because they have uh, this rule where they only give makeup to Fox News employees. So last time I went, you know, I'm all rosacea. I got my red nose. You know what I mean? And uh, th so they gave me makeup. I had to convince the woman to, to do the makeup for me. You know what I mean? Had I had like I had to convince her to do it. But she said to me when I was in the chair, she said, you should think about Botox for those frown lines. <laughs> That's kind of insulting. Right. And so, you know, I was talking and then and then um, I, I forget who it was. You know, one of the uh, what, what did Rush used to call them, the info babes. Right. You know, walks over, does a hit on the show and leaves. She's a Fox business personality. Gorgeous, you know. And and then I, I, I think that started the conversation about the fact that. Really, in media, you could buy this stuff in bulk. You know what I'm saying? You could buy Botox in bulk and probably get a good, significant discount on it. Doctors are now warning users that they can overdose on snortable caffeine powder available on Amazon. This sounds fun to me. It's called the bump. 
I might do this. Well, why would anyone do that and assume that it wasn't going to be problematic? Well, Matt DeSantis, before the show today, I had a double espresso. I pounded it down. You didn't snort it, though. No, but I would have. If I had the option. Yeah, I didn't know I had the option. Drinking something scalding hot and just a little snort. I tell you, when we did the Zioli Army trip years ago to Italy, and um, the driver of the bus, he had an espresso machine on his bus. Like, you open up the side of the bus, there was an espresso machine. Oh, it was great. And I would I would hit that baby up all the time. The Italians drink espresso all day. Well, because you know it's uppers and downers with them. They drink wine at lunch, and then it's espresso. And but this may save everybody a lot of time. So locals are turning to snortable caffeine instead of coffee when they need a, a jolt of energy. It's a uh, less intense cocaine minus all the bad side effects. Said Max, a 32 year old who lives in Greenwich, Connecticut, and works in business development. Max, who asked to not use his last name for professional reasons, first learned about snortable caffeine in November when he stumbled upon the brand Want a Bump on Amazon. Intrigued, he ordered a one gram vial for $14.99 and took a whiff. That sounds really good, doesn't it? You know, I, I would do this. <laughs> the packaging on this stuff is incredible. I remember feeling it immediately and being very blown away by that. Now, over the course of a week, he does about 500 milligrams, mostly at home throughout the day, for a hit of energy. The biggest thing for me is that it doesn't affect my sleep as much as drinking caffeine. Now, should, what, what a bump is what it's called. I, don't, I mean, doesn't that sound like cocaine to you? It looks yeah. like cocaine, And it looks too. like cocaine, too. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. It sells a caffeine nasal spray, vials of powder... And fake rolled money to assist with consumption. So you can sit there and look like you're doing cocaine. It's kind of genius. It like, really is. I actually. like this other product called Turbo Snort. Turbo Snort? That's a thing? <laughs> it is a high performance. Does Hunter Biden know about any of this, by the way? <laughs> it's a high performance brain cocktail. That one at least looks more official. It has like a nasal spray. Yeah. The The bump... That just, I mean, they purposely make it look like cocaine. I, well, that's the idea, right? You want to sit around and snort co- snort a cocaine-looking substance using dollar bills so you can look like a baller, I well, guess. Who wants to be perceived as doing cocaine, though? That, that's my question. <laughs> this, this, who this, are they marketing this to? This all reminds me of a skit where a guy's drinking like a, a non-alcoholic beer in a business meeting, and they're like, what are you doing? You can't drink beer in this? And he's like, oh, no, it's non-alcoholic. I'm not getting drunk. <laughs> It's the same thing. Everyone just assumes. I might just, I may buy this and just throw down right in the conference room. Uh, <laughs> you know, on the days that I am here, which is not often, I'm here right now. But I may on a Tuesday when everybody's here, because Tuesday's the day where everybody comes into Odyssey. The salespeople have their meetings. And I, I met one of the new sales reps today. She's lovely, she's a wonderful person. I, but not all of them like see me all the time. I mean, because, you know, everybody's remote nowadays, right? So they're not here all the time. I may just, in the middle of a sales meeting, throw down some of this, take out one of these fake dollar bills and just snort a line right there and just walk away. <laughs> and just be like, have a great day, everybody. I'm going to go show prep. I'm out. <laughs> just see what happens. <laughs> we should get one a bump to sponsor the show. I'm definitely doing this next week. I feel like you shouldn't. No, I'm going to. I don't care. I, I'm, I'm begging you not to. You should do it at 5 o'clock on a Tuesday when everyone's walking out. <laughs> yeah, you should leave it all over the studio. Yeah. 
Right by the Dump microphone. out the entire vial. It's just like. <laughs> yeah, just like, hey, how's it going? <laughs> Start divvying it up. All right, this one's for four o'clock, five o'clock. <laughs> oh, that's funny. <laughs> I'm shocked that this is not good for your health. Oh, man. Um, eight five five eight three nine twelve ten is the number if you want to weigh in today. Uh, that that uh, check in on social media, by the way, is brought to you by our friends at Cherry Hill Volvo. Cherry Hill Volvo on Route seventy in Cherry Hill, where relationships matter. Please go and say hello to them today because they are the best, the absolute best. I know I'll be getting home safe and sound tomorrow, driving around because uh, we'll be in the XC ninety with the third row. That it's great. Uh, all right. Um, let's see here now. I have another clip i got to play. Speaking of court and Donald Trump, Donald Trump savages the judge after emerging from the courtroom yesterday. Fresh off his uh, contentious court appearance on Wednesday, former President Donald Trump had some harsh words for Judge Lewis Kaplan, whom he called a nasty man. Cut number two. Well, thank you very much. So, uh, as you know, uh, the First Lady's mother... Passed away. The funeral is tomorrow, and we would have assumed that for a trial like this, it's not an emergency in terms of timing. Uh, the judge would have been very nice and would let me go because I want to be at every trial day uh, because I saw what happened in the first one where I was asked not to go by the lawyers very much. They said it, it's demeaning. There was no evidence. There was no anything. And so I didn't go, and I understood exactly what he meant when he said it was demeaning. There was no reason to go, and you shouldn't go. And I decided on this one, same judge, same judge, he's a radical Trump hater. And uh, I said, uh, I will go to all days. So what happened very terribly is we asked to just delay the trial for one day so I could go to the funeral tomorrow and then we could start Friday or Monday or any time they want. And he said, absolutely not. The trial will go on just as it is. You can go to the funeral or you can go to the trial, but you can't do both. I thought it was terrible. I thought it was terrible. So he would rather have me miss the funeral or go to the funeral, miss the trial. And that's a nasty man. He's a nasty judge. He's a Trump-hating guy. And uh, it's obvious to everybody in the court. It's a disgrace, frankly, what's happening. It's a disgrace. Happens to be a Clinton appointment, but I'm sure that has nothing to do with it. Mm-hmm. It has everything to do with it. The president's right. Uh, look, you know, I've said this to you before. I opened the show with this today. Ron DeSantis needs to get out of the race. His uh, campaign is over and he's not going to win and he should back Trump because despite all of this nonsense that's going on in court, despite all of this, Trump is going to win the nomination. And the question that Ron DeSantis has to ask himself is, do I want to come in third place in New Hampshire? Because that's what everybody will remember. That's what everybody will remember. Um, Mark in the Northeast has a new theme song for the show. Yes, Mark, how are you, sir? Hey, Happy New Year. How you doing, Rich? Good, buddy. How are you? Happy New Year. Excellent, excellent. Uh, yeah, I have a new theme song for your show. What's that? White, White Lines. <laughs> White Lines? From the 1980s? Yeah, from the 1980s. Yeah. Um, I don't know the song in particular, but we'll we'll find it. If Henry's got it, you'll find that you'll find that Melly Mel. This is what I do when I snort my fake cocaine on the thing with my fake dollar bills. <laughs> there you go. Pump. Maybe you maybe you could get Hunter uh, to be uh, co-host every once in a while too. <laughs> that or Amber Heard. Thanks, there you Mark. go. Appreciate it, buddy. Remember that day she was in court and everybody thought she did a bump. Certainly looked like she did. 
I'm going to walk right up to David Gattagaroff, our senior vice president, market manager, and just do a line of fake cocaine right in front of him. I think I think you shouldn't. <laughs> You're like, see you later, boss. <laughs> I'm going to do my show now. I am curious what his reaction would be. I'm going to buy. I'm going to buy it just to check it out. I, I don't know why. Why? I, why not? I mean, it looks fun. You don't need that. I, it looks fun. It doesn't look fun, and it's dangerous. You know, Matt DeSantis, the problem is that I need a lot of caffeine to do a four-hour radio show. People don't understand that. And um, sniffing Adderall gets old after a while, so. Uh, Robert is in Ben Salem. Robert, how are you, sir? Hi, Rich. It's good to talk to you, man. Great show, as always. Thank you, um, It's kind of frustrating to me because I see all these things going on, and it occurs to me that if we had an honest media, most of it wouldn't be going on. They enable every terrible thing that happens in this country. I would submit that if we had an honest media, Democrats wouldn't get 40% of the vote, and Joe Biden would have been out of here by now. And while I do not understand why they are four square on a failed social so, socialist ideology, I do believe that I can um, explain their bias in two sentences. Go ahead. When a Democrat, I mean, when a Republican is in charge, they all want to be the next Bob Woodward. But when a Democrat is in charge, they all want to be the next Monica Lewinsky. And that's my honest opinion of them. You guys have a great night, man. Thank thank you very much, Robert. (laughs) That analogy, will leave it right there. Uh, 855-839-1210 on Twitter, at Rich Zioli. Listen, comedy night, you got to laugh. You have to have a good laugh. I think so. It's important in life. Uh, comedy night at Parks Casino is coming up on Thursday, February 1st, 8 p.m. 20 bucks gets your ticket and your drink included. So please, your first drink included, join us. We'll have a lot of fun. Great comedians will be there. Could always unite a night of laughter. And Joe Conklin's comedy night is always a blast. So please. Do it today. Go to parkscasino.com slash comedy and get your tickets. You will have a great time and we'll have a lot of fun together. I look forward to seeing you then. Parkscasino.com slash comedy. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER and I will see you February 1st. Thanks for listening to the Seoli Show podcast from Talk Radio 1210 WPHT and the Odyssey app. I tell you, before the show wraps up tonight, and I send it over to the great one, Mark Levin, I, I do want to um, I do want to share with you, we talked a lot about the World Economic Forum today, the WEF. Uh, do we have, do we, do you have this clip of Democrat, freshman Democrat Max Frost? Yep. Yeah. Okay. Um, this idiot, just as a gimmick, drafted a bill to remove the Statue of Liberty. All right, which the Statue of Liberty was a gift from France to celebrate liberty. It has nothing to do with having open borders. Nothing. And France does not have open borders, by the way. France has some of the strictest immigration laws in the country and also has a Statue of Liberty. Uh, but anyway, the um, this is a, a moron, typical. A freshman Democrat Representative Max Frost. Take a listen. To my colleagues on the other side of the aisle, let's be honest with immigrants who deserve better than what you're offering them. Don't welcome immigrants if you plan to reject them. If you keep pushing your bigoted H.R. 2 bill, then also pass this bill. I've taken the liberty of drafting it for you. It removes the Statue of Liberty, our largest symbol that tells people to come here. This is who you are, removing the fabric of America. So I want to know which Republican who supports and voted for H.R. 2 will introduce this bill. 
Yeah, so moron, that's not why they gave us the Statue of Liberty. It's not about open borders, you idiot. Um, all right, so I wanted to play one more clip from the WEF today, the World Economic Forum. This is Dr. Merrill Nass explaining how the WHO, WHO, the World Health Organization, that's who, their proposed pandemic treaty will enable the WHO to take over jurisdiction of everything in the world by saying that climate change, animals, plants, water systems, and ecosystems are all central to health. Cut 15. We're undergoing a soft coup, and the idea is to create a whole new set of laws and ignore the existing human rights laws and other laws under the pretext of pandemic preparedness and the biosecurity agenda. The WHO is developing through all its nations, but with the WHO directorate in the United States in charge, a pandemic treaty and amendments to the existing international health regulations that will remove the human rights protections currently um, embedded in the IHRs, will enforce surveillance, censorship, get rid of freedom of speech, require governments to censor and only push a single narrative. Also, we will be sub- subject, if, if they can make this work, to vaccines developed in 100 days, which the organization CEPI is planning to do. And one of the people who founded CEPI was Jeremy Farrar, who is now All the right, chief scientist. I've got a heart out here. Uh, the great one, Mark Levin, is up next. Please uh, take a listen to that. Keep the conversation going on Twitter at Rich Zioli. Have a great rest of your night tonight. And uh, let's see what the weather brings. But be careful out there, kids. Thanks for listening. Rich Zioli, weekday afternoons 3 to 7. Talk Radio 1210, WPHT, and on the free Odyssey app. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friend at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did.